Good evening. Good evening. Tonight, um, this week is Parshas Teruma. We left, however, I'm not going to learn something on Parshas Teruma. Instead, we're going to continue what we began two weeks ago. A mimer was Zacher Visham, Zacher Esema Shabbos Lakachoi, and the, the Parsha was then Parshas Yisro. We started this discourse. And um, it is a it wasn't an easy discourse. The, the beginning was very smooth reading, but once it got in the middle, it became really, really difficult terrain to the point that when I prepared last week and I sat two hours, two or three hours trying to make it through the next part of the mimer and I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't make heads and tails on what's going on. Uh, there was an expressed will last week after the shear that we should continue it. So today I came back to it another time and made the third attempt. And the Baruch Hashem, Hashem's help, the mimer opened up a little bit. So I don't even know what's going to happen. But it was nice. It was nice to see a little bit of light and that it became sort of was coming together. So And, and hopefully as we learn together, it's going to become clearer even than before. Of course, I'm going to do a little summary before we continue. Um, and I'm actually going to learn over a piece that we learned already last time, but being that we did it without much understanding, I'm going to read that piece over again. Okay, so this was on the, on the again, on the um, Parshas Yisro, with the mitzvah of Shabbos. It says, remember the day of Shabbos to sanctify it in the, in the Ten Commandments. And the sages say that when God initially said, remember the day of Shabbos, he, he also told us, um, observe the day of Shabbos. Because in the first commandments, it says, remember the day of Shabbos. In the second time, in Aseris Adibros, when the commandments are repeated a second time, it says, observe the day of Shabbos. So Chazal say that, that remember the day of Shabbos and observe the day of Shabbos were both said in one in one statement in one in one utterance that which a person is not able to say and we were not able to hear it as well okay so the question he asked in the discourse which we began with if no one can hear it what's the point of saying it if i mean if we can't receive it which means we can't absorb it so the what's the point of speech the point of speech is communication but if you're going to say something and the other one is not going to, you're not communicating, so what's the point of it? That's the question. We're going to see in the Mimer that this idea that Zohar, that remember the day of Shabbos and observe the day of Shabbos is not only related to Shabbos, which of course it is, it also relates to the very fundamental element of, 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 of the giving of the Torah. Meaning it's not just about Shabbos, it's about facilitating Matan Torah in the first place. The entire idea that, 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 that Hashem's, Hashem's Torah and Hashem's mitzvahs should be transmitted to us, human beings. First of all, creations. And not only creations, but physical creations. And that we should be able to perform them. Um, this miracle of miracles, it's the biggest miracle, because when we're doing mitzvahs, we're not just doing nice things. We are channeling the infinite light into the creation. For us to be able to connect to the infinite light, to the boundless, to the, what is beyond, is the biggest miracle ever. 
and that our physical actions should trigger such, such energies and such powers that are higher than the highest and, and infinitely removed from the, from the most sublime celestial malachim and beings and even to be able to reach that light through our physical activities that we do daily that we don't even pay attention to you know, whether, whatever, whatever it is that we're doing we know we're doing a mitzvah but not to realize the awesomeness of that um, in order for us to be able to do that it was related very much to this idea of zachar v'shamar b'diborecha that first of all there's an element of Zohar, remember? And then there's an element of Shamar, observe. And then there is the power to do that because both of them were said at the same time, simultaneously. In other words, you couldn't have the Zohar and you couldn't have the Shamar. You couldn't have the remember the day of Shabbos and you couldn't have the observe the day of Shabbos, each one on their own. You can only have them when they were said together in unison. Why? As we're going to see soon. But again, it's, it is about Shabbos, but it's not only about Shabbos. It's about the general theme of Torah and mitzvahs and our ability to act, you know, to do whatever we're doing with Torah and mitzvahs. So to understand this, we began with a question. The question that he began with was, why did all neshamas of the Jewish people have to be by the giving of the Torah? We know that all future generations stood at Sinai. It wasn't only those people incarnated in bodies during that generation, but all future generations of all souls for all time, everybody stood at Har Sinai. And the question is why? The commitment that they made was not a valid commitment. Why? Because the neshama, of course, wants to do mitzvahs. And the reason why we're not always doing all the mitzvahs we should, should be doing, or sometimes doing things we ought not to be doing, which Torah doesn't allow, is not because of the soul. The soul would be, uh, you know, for the neshama, mitzvahs, Torah mitzvahs is kihem chayenu v'orech yomenu. It's its life, it's, it's, it's its oxygen. And God forbid violating a mitzvah is pure death to the soul. So the, the soul would rather physically go through the worst suffering, not to chas v'shalem sin. The reason why we take mitzvahs sometimes lightly and not that seriously, or even so much that we're able to disregard a mitzvah or disregard a prohibition, chas v'shalem, is not because of the soul, it's because of the, it's because of the body. Because the body is resistant, because the body is, the body is lowly, and the body is coarse, and the body is, uh, the body is even at times, you know, it, 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 it emanates and it comes, the body comes from a world of klipa, a pure of impurity. And, and that's why. So what is it going to help if the nisham is going to make a commitment if the nisham is not in the body? You see, you have to have two parties over here, the soul and the body. Both of them are going to need to do the mitzvahs together. So those are the people that were in bodies, we understand they can make a commitment. But those that were not in bodies, what's the point of the soul saying, I will do it, nasa v'nishma, if the, the body might object? So the commitment is not a valid commitment. So you have to say that they were there at Har Sinai not to commit. They were there because at the giving of the Torah, something very, very essential, something fundamental, something, in, something happened to their neshamas at, during that time that every Jew had to be there. And without this, 
then, then, then if, the nish- if these souls would come back down at any later time and go into bodies, and even if the neshama would be a very, very strong soul and have the ability to completely um, 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 gain mastery over the body and make the body completely subservient to the neshama, yet had, if, the, if this neshama would not have been by Har Sinai, it would not be able to learn Torah and do mitzvahs or as we're going to see soon, the Torah and the mitzvahs that they would be doing would be, would be um, lacking the power. It would be powerless. It would, be, it would, it would have no, 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 no potency to it. The potency to the mitzvahs were given by Matan Torah. And that's what he's going to explain why all neshamas have to be there. Because what happened during that time? Basically, God planted, as, I mean, I'm using modern terms, but God planted a chip into our soul by the giving of the Torah, giving us the ability to be able to activate godliness. See, as we mentioned at the beginning of the class, because he asked one more question, I want to review, important question. We say the giving of the Torah was by Matan Torah, Hashem gave the Torah. Well, he didn't give the Torah by Matan Torah. He gave the Torah during 40 years. Mitzvahs were coming mitzvah by mitzvah, piece by piece. It took 40 years until we had the whole Torah. What happened by the giving of the Torah? They got Ten Commandments. Okay. And there were other times in, during, their, during their passage, during their journeys in the desert, that maybe they got more than Ten Commandments. And I mentioned, when Hashem told them, Parshas Kedoshim to you, there are much more than Ten Commandments there. So maybe that day that they got the Parsha Kedoshim should be considered Matan Torah. So obviously you can't say it's the quantity, it's Ten Commandments. You can't say, oh, you might answer, say, it's the first commandments. But it wasn't really the first commandments because they were commanded already in Mitzrayim to set the calendar, Korban Pesach, not to have chametz on Pesach. When they came to Morrow, which was also a few stops before they got to Har Sinai, they were commanded with other mitzvahs. So it's not even the first mitzvahs. So what makes the event of the sixth day of Sivan by the giving of the Torah so important and so great, we say this day giving the Torah, when all that we got was a few mitzvahs? A few out of the 613, just 10. So why is that Matan Torah? To answer that, he explains this idea. It wasn't so much about the commandments, either that Hashem is telling us the commandments or that we are receiving the commandments. It wasn't so much about the instruction. It was about the empowerment. By Matan Torah, Hashem empowered our souls, or use other words, He wired our souls up to be able to access what we would never be able to access without them. Or we might say he gave us the Wi-Fi code, which we would not have had. In other words, you know, to have a code to be able to access, you have to be able to channel, but you need to be able to connect to the server. The server over here is the infinite light. And to infinite light, no creature and no being can ever connect because to the infinite, all finitude is absolutely zero and meaningless. So no matter how hard and how, tr- and how deep one's commitment is, no matter how strong one's desire to connect to the infinite is, they cannot do that. There is an infinite barrier. They have to journey an infinite journey, and they can journey an infinite journey. It's impossible because you're finite, and therefore you can only move in finite steps. No matter how far you will go, no matter how deep your commitment, no matter how great your love to God is, it won't, it won't get you to the Ein Sof. So to get to the Ein Sof can only come because Hashem decided to plug us up with Him, to wire us up with Him. That transmission 
or that chip, as we said earlier, or the giving us of the code to connect our souls, to activate it, that was giving at the giving of the Torah. And that's why every neshama had to be there, so that later, when a neshama in a body will put on tefillin, there will be an, a flow of divinity in that tefillin. There will be a flow of Ein Sof in that tefillin. When a person will say the Shema, it won't be human words, it will be godly words, triggered by a human mouth, but so, and it would create a flow of, of infinite light through all the worlds and illuminate all of existence for all of eternity with God's presence only because Hashem gave them the Torah at Matan Torah during that time. That's why every Nisham had to be there. The non-Jew can say the same recital of the Shema, but since his Nishama was not at Har Sinai receiving the Torah, he doesn't have that access code. He's not, he's offline, like sometimes you try to, you punch your phone and you hit this, and it tells you you're offline. So you have to find, so then you start looking like how can you make a connection. The non-Jew is offline. He doesn't have this connection. It's only the Jewish people that have this awesome connection with God. We got it at Har Sinai to be able to connect to the infinite. Now, um, um, therefore, he says something really magnificent. He says that was the reason why God had to scare the daylights out of them by the giving of the Torah. There were such sounds and noises and thunder and lightning. It was the most frightening experience that if simply God knocked our socks off, it was so terrifying and the people died. They, it was so frightening that they died not once, they died ten times. Every time Hashem spoke, they died again. It was Parchanish Masam. And the Parchanish Masam came because, in some places it is explained because of longing, but in other places it says because of the tremendous fear and awe. It was just too much to bear. Now God, obviously, was not, here's the thing, God was obviously not allowing His full power to speak. If it would have been His full power, the whole world would have been destroyed. The fact that the worlds were not destroyed and broken is because God did speak in, in a way that is to some degree hand, handleable. Meaning, yet, if his Hashem is already adjusting, and if he's adjusting, obviously he's adjusting infinitely, why doesn't he just adjust a little bit more that we can handle it? So you see, there was an intention. They had to die. They had to, they had to, they had to, they had to expire. And why do they need to expire? Because to become Matan Torah, this ability for a finite being to become a channel for the infinite is the biggest metamorphosis possible. This is the biggest change. It's the biggest change that every, any being ever happened. In other words, in a sense, it might even be a bigger change than coming from non-being into beingness. I was thinking, what was the biggest event that ever happened in, or what's the biggest change that's possible to happen? From a, creating, from a created being non-existent, non-existing to the moment that comes into existence. That's the biggest change from being not to being yeah. Now, from being yeah to becoming a channel for the infinite, from being finite to being infinite is at least a big, as big as a change as from non-being to being or maybe even bigger than that or probably infinitely bigger than that. And therefore, a change from such a drastic change you can't grow into. It's like you can't grow. You grow, your feet grow from a size four to a size five. As a kid, you're growing your feet as you're getting older or your clothing or whatever else happens. There's growth. You grow from 
elementary school to high school, from high school to college, your mind expands, you can take deeper ideas. That kind of growth, because that's limited growth and you could do it stage by stage. When something needs to take such a radical change, it cannot do it from, its, from within itself. It needs to, besides the fact that it can't do it alone, that's for sure, but there's another thing. In order for this change to happen, the being has to lose its previous existence completely and in a sense be recreated. And that happened by Matan Torah. God scared them so much because we have to cease to exist. And from the non-beingness, from that, from that total nullification of existence, we were able to emerge into something entirely new, beings that can access the Ein Sof. That we learned is the... Okay. Now the Rebbe went on to explain. This, was the, this is the content of the first paragraph. Now in column number two, the Rebbe says the angels wanted the Torah. The question is, and it wasn't given to them. Why? God could have given them the code or given them the mitzvahs and they would have done them that activity and they could have done it. And they were, they were denied and Hashem gave the, gave the, gave the Torah dafka to the Jewish people. He says, why? So we learned in the previous class, the reason for that is that has to do with the quality of the souls. You see, what has to happen when a person does a mitzvah is that his neshama, his soul, has to become completely unified with the Ein Sof. God who's infinite and the soul that is finite have to merge together. And God is now literally expressing himself through this finite channel of a neshama, but yet the infinite is coming through. In order for a being to be able to be him, to be God, and not be whatever we are, you can't do that. Because it, if you're a creation, you're a creation. You're not God. If you're God, you're not a creation. So to be able to kind of, we are soul, we are people. And at the same time, when we're doing a mitzvah, we are a, a, a conduit for God into the world. And our limbs are God's limbs. That's what happens. And our soul, our neshama, is now an extension of Hashem. For though it's lost in God's, in God's light. It's submerged in Hashem. Only neshamas can accomplish that. And angels can't accomplish that. And the reason for that is, angels are too much. Too much something. Only souls can do this magical trick from being something and suddenly dissolve into nothingness. And not, and not to be destroyed in their nothingness. It's a really cool thing. Souls are able to like not be, or become so absorbed in something else, and, they, and in that state be a channel. And then they can come back and being. But they can go, the, the neshamas are able, souls are able to cross the, the, the barrier from beingness to non-beingness. Angels can't do that because angels have too much of a self and they can't surrender that self completely. They're very holy, they're very pure, but they're nowhere close to the purity of the neshama. Why? So he goes on to explain, it has nothing to do with, it has to do, it, it has nothing to do with the, like our accomplishments or whatever. He says it's what really is the cause, what really is the cause of this of this ability that neshamas have that no other being has, it has to do with the origins of where the soul comes from. Souls originate in God's thought. 
Everything else comes from God's speech. And that's the difference. Since all of creation, physical creation, and even spiritual beings, and even the highest, highest, most sublime, angelic beings, as great as they are, they were created through Hashem's speech. As it says, Beruach Piv, and with the, with the breath of his mouth, Kol Tzavam, all his hosts. So they were created through God's speech. The Jewish souls come from God's thoughts. And the difference between thought and speech is everything. You see, speech is external to a person. Even though speech, you use, you unify so much with your words, because that's how you communicate your ideas. A person is deeply connected to their words. And we can really hold a person down. You said that. You say, what do you mean I said that? These are words. It's not with me. No, you, a person can be incriminated by the words they said. Why? Because you put yourself into your words. That is you. You said that. That means it's you. You put your whatever, because words are conveyors of your ideas, your emotions, your whatever. And, and so words are attached to you. But it's considered a garment. It's like a garment. A person wears garments. The garments are part of you. It's your clothing you wear. But the garments aren't you. The garments are something you wear. You can put them on. You can take them off. Thought is a different story. Thought, thought is inside of you. And not just inside of you, it's attached to you. And, and, and where do we see the main difference, one of the main differences, the striking difference between speech and thought? Speech, you can take off the garment altogether and say, I'm not going to talk. You can decide not to talk for a minute, 10 minutes, a half an hour, an hour, a day, a month, a year. If you don't want to talk, don't talk. You don't have to talk. So speech is a garment you can put on. When you put it on, you express yourself through speech. But you can take it off. That means it's not really you. Thought, you can never stop your thought. The thought is the stream of consciousness. And to stop your stream of consciousness, you cannot do that. So thought is much more you than speech is. And here's the difference between souls and angels, or anything else. Angels are something created to be a part of Hashem, separated, something. Yes, they can, just like words are communicators of your ideas, so to Hashem uses angels to communicate things to the world. Prophecy comes through angels. And that they communicate. So there is communication coming. But there are times Hashem can take the angels and say, get out of here, leave me. I don't need you now, I'm silent. He doesn't want to talk. Because they stem from something that can be shut down. Jewish souls stem from God's thoughts. Whatever that means, of course, anthropomorphically speaking, we're referring to God. But they come from Hashem's thoughts. And thought is unified with the thinker. That means that our souls are one with Hashem, and that's why our souls can do a mitzvah. When you're doing a mitzvah, what's happening? You cease to be yourself, and you become absorbed in that channeling of whatever that is. The only way we can do that is if you originate in something that is so subtle. It is so subtle of an existence. See, a thought is not really, really, really you, but it's so attached to you that it becomes you. Now, how do you know that a thought is not really, really, really you? Is that because you can, even though you can't undress your thought, you can't remove, you can't stop thinking, 
like speech. Speech you can say, Eis ladaber, it's a time to talk. Eis lachashos, it's a time to be silent. It doesn't say anywhere, Eis lachashov, it's a time to think. The Eis lo lachashov, because you cannot never ever stop thought. But you could stop thought. Yet you can't. So which one is it? You can't stop completely thought, but you can divest yourself from one thought and go into another thought. You could remove the particular thought and think something else. So you see, thought is also garment. So I'll be very clear. Thought is also considered a garment, just like, but it's a garment that is far more attached to the wearer than a garment of speech, which is a more external thing. Angels, because they are more external and therefore more separated, and because they're more separated, they cannot act as those conduits. They can't do a mitzvah. Because their souls cannot become completely unified with the source, which is Hashem, that they should dissolve completely and be identityless, and only God should come through. When we're doing a mitzvah, we're able to do that because our neshama is in that state when we're doing it. Now, even though consciously, you might be doing a mitzvah and thinking about sushi or whatever else. So you can be very much thinking about the physical needs and wants and desires while you're doing a mitzvah. But that doesn't really interfere. The reason it doesn't interfere is because even though you're not there, your soul is there. And your soul dissolves in God's light when you're doing a mitzvah. So therefore the holiness. Now, of course, if physically, consciously you're, you're there as well, then that godliness is more revealed in the surrounding. So people will see it. You know, when you see a person who's doing a mitzvah, and they're doing a mitzvah with a, with a, in a state of holy consciousness, in a state of deep dveikos to Hashem, then you can sense Hashem coming through in that mitzvah. Like you watch a tzaddik doing a mitzvah, you can see godly flow coming through the tzaddik. You can see the radiance, you can see it. And when you watch someone who's really not into it, so even though it's there, but we have to have more amuna that it's there, we have faith that it's there, we don't see it because there is a block. But it doesn't interfere from it happening because there is a neshama behind it and the neshama is doing it. That is generally the gist of what we were learning until now. We did learn a little further as well, but here is where I want to pick up the mimer from where we left off last time and continue. Um, I'm going to go back actually two paragraphs, and I'm sorry for that, but I, to the words, um, see, we had really gone on to page, I, to page 142. We did that last time, page 142 on the top, but it was chaplop, and that doesn't, uh, doesn't do it for, for, for me, so for us, I think it wasn't clear. So I'm going to go back to page ayin hey, ayin aleph, Ayin Aleph, it's the second page from after 140. It's the back of page 140. And we're holding by the third paragraph. Vihine im hayois. Vihine im hayois. The third paragraph. Vihine im hayois ilui bi Yisrael rav mebebamalachim. Now, even though the quality of the Jewish souls is greater, in other words, the Jewish people have a quality over angels in that our neshamas are capable of being unified with God completely because we stem from a far more inner place. Mitzad this is because of our souls. As we said earlier, nevertheless, the Torah was not given to them. The Torah wasn't given to pure souls when souls are in heaven. 
The soul, the neshama was given to the souls only when the souls are enclosed in this heavy, heavy um, 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 uh, 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 physical body, which you might say is like wearing a, a space outfit, an astronaut's uh, thing. What is, so what's this? This doesn't make any sense. If we are saying that the, the, the ability of neshamas to do a mitzvah is because of the soul's exquisite refinement and because of the soul's complete egolessness and because of the neshama is so transparent to God and so nullified and so unified with God, so the neshamas should have received the Torah in their pure refined state. Instead, souls in heaven can't do mitzvahs. The souls only receive the Torah when they come down in a body that is full of ego, full of separateness, full of, 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 of yeshus, full of beingness. And dafka over here we learn Torah and mitzvahs. If the quality of our mitzvahs is in our nullification, in our self-abnegation, the worst place to give that to a person is when they're in a body, which our bodies are much coarser than the angels. Angels at least never sin. They might not be so happy sometimes that they can't sin. They, 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 uh, angels, they, have, they also have somewhat of a body, which sometimes is not really in the mood of serving, or maybe in the mood of something else. Yet they sense Hashem so strong that, that they're always, they always listen, they always obey. No such a thing as not listening. Our bodies, you know, sometimes can go so far, God forbid, of being, uh, being, being, being totally uh, you know, out for lunch and not be tuned in. So why would we give the mitzvahs to neshamas when they're in bodies, which is the total opposite of bittel? That's the question. Afopikeni says, The Torah was not given to us, only when we became enclosed in two things. First of all, a guf, a body, and then and a vivifying soul, this which we call sometimes the animal soul, which is extremely self-oriented, self-absorbed, and into all, all, all the materialistic pursuits, which is the biggest distraction and makes mitzvah observance so difficult. And even, as we said, and even when we do the mitzvah, it stops us from being involved in the mitzvah because we're thinking about we're thinking about our physical needs and wants. Even Yom Kippur on the holiest day, when we're supposed to be divested from our bodies and be spirit, we're still looking at the clock when the fast is going to be over. Imagine if you can observe Yom Kippur when we wouldn't be in bodies. Woo! Be awesome. So then why is that? But yet Yom Kippur in heaven doesn't really mean anything. It does, but it doesn't have the power. Only Yom Kippur in a body. Why? Because it is known. The whole point of why the neshama descended to this world is to become enclosed in a body. This descent is for the sake of an ascent. We gain a lot by our souls coming down in a body, even though it's a horrible descent. And it, and, and, and it drives the neshama crazy. And the soul is so frustrated in the body. Very frustrated. It's a gullus. It's, it's a real exile. Yet, it's only with the body and through the body that the neshama will achieve its highest ascent. Its highest elevation, dafka with the body. 
in order to raise the soul. Now watch that elevation. Is the soul possible to go higher? The soul is an entity from God's thoughts. There's nothing deeper than the thought unified with the thinker. This is so higher than that. To elevate the neshama. From the state of it and his garments. To become unified with God as Hashem is unified with his emanations. There is a phrase in the Zohar. Here is the phrase. The phrase is as follows. He, ihu, v'chiyiyu, he and his emanations are one. That's one phrase. And the Zohar continues. Ihu, v'garmuhu, he and his garments are one. What does that mean? We know that Hashem emanates to run the world ten sefirot, ten attributes. The ten attributes have within it uh, two parts. Vessels, kalim, vessels, and they have energy, or the light. We know that the vessels are already the, 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 the source for limited existence. They're not yet creations. These vessels are not creations, but they are the source for creations. Because the whole idea of a vessel is to limit the light and to give it some kind of a definition, which is what really creations are all about. Creatures and beings, entities with limitations, with, which define our existence. God is limitless and boundless. So the beginning of our beingness begins with the vessels. But, so that's one thing. In the vessels there is energy. So which one is purer, the energy or the vessel? Which one is more godly? The energy. The vessel is already being more creation-like. Yet we say, God is one with the emanations, with the, with the energy. He is one with the energy. And He is one with the vessels. One with the energy means, since this is a divine, a godly, a projection of God that is already being contained in a vessel, Obviously, it can't be God himself. God is not containable in anything. So it's only a ray of God. It's not God himself. The energy that flows in the Sephirot. So that's why the Zohar is saying, even though the energy is, is, a, is a ray of Hashem, he, nevertheless, he and his, and his emanations, he and those, and those rays are one. Don't think it's something else. He is one with them. Then he continues, even the vessels, which are considered garments, okay, the vessels, the kalim of the sefirot, they are far more already something. I'm saying when I'm saying something, I mean compared to the lights, not compared to the creations. Compared to the creations, they are totally unified with God. But we're saying compared to the lights, they are something. And that the Zohar is saying that they too are one with him because he is one with his garments. Now, where is the oneness stronger? He and his lights are one or he and his garments are one? He and the lights. The or is much, the or is just a reflection of the, of the ma'or, of the luminary. So it's, it's, it's makes, it's, 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 it's easier to understand how he and his emanations, pure light is one. But he and the vessels, the vessels are already something. The chiddush is that he's one even with them. That's the novelty. He's one even. 
But their oneness with him is on a lesser level and a much lesser level than his oneness with the, with the emanations, with the lights. So we have two levels. There is God, there is his emanations, and then there are the garments. And we're saying that he, his emanations, and his garments are one. Now we're going to understand what the neshama gains when it comes down in the body. Because what happens is like this. Where did we say our neshama comes from? It comes from God's thoughts. God's thoughts are unified with him, just like thought is unified with the thinker. But, and we said before, he and his, he and his thoughts are one in the sense that what? That you can't stop thinking. Like a person can't stop thinking. But we also pointed out that even though you can't stop thinking, you can still change one thought and think a different thought. So you can't stop thought completely, but you could to some degree disconnect the thought. So you see, even though the thoughts are deeply one with the thinker, they're still detachable. So neshamas come from God as the soul's unity with God is considered he and his garments are one, which is great, which is much higher than the angels. The angels are considered external garments, the garments that you can take off and not be one with. These are internal garments. It's like a garment that you're always wearing. It's always part of you. You're always, it's so connected. But yet, it's you and your garments. When the neshama comes down into this world in a body, and in a physical body, and in an animal, and it learns Torah and does mitzvahs, but primarily by coming down in a body, and we'll see soon what we gain by coming in the body, the soul is elevated from the union with God that God has with his garments to the higher level of unity where it's he and his emanations are one. And that is an infinite elevation from being unified with God in a manner of a garment being unified to becoming unified with God like he and his emanations are unified. Much deeper and much higher. That it gains by coming in the body. Which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Coming in the body should only make, what, what happens to us when our soul comes in a body? The soul becomes less sensitive. The soul becomes more prone to disobedience. The soul becomes more disconnected, more into other things than God. Yet we say, no, 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 no. There's something in the body which brings, unifies the neshama into a deeper union with Hashem than even it had before. How does that work? Right now I can't because the mimer is traveling. It's like... We're going to try to bring it back soon because if I do that right now, I'm... I'm I, no, 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 because he's, he's began the question of, no, Zachar v'shamar, b'dibur echad, he said, b'dibur echad, why that is with one speech? Then he said in order to understand that, we need to understand the, we need to understand the idea of what happened by Kabbalah, what happened by Kabbalah, Satayra b'chlal. And then after he said that, we, which, which is the connection, we became connected to the Ein Saif, and our, our mitzvahs have potency. Then he said, and the ability to do that is only to a neshama. Because a neshama is unified and malachim are not unified. But, but even a neshama, it's dafka when we're in a body. And now he's explaining what we gain by being in a body. Is that our union with God that we had before becomes infinitely enhanced and deeper when we come down in a body. So we have to understand what's the secret of this, of this, of this Yerida Tzarech Aliyah. The Nikrab, as he says over here, to elevate the neshama, 
where he and his garments are one. He and his emanations are one. This is called in the Zohar. This elevation that comes through being in a body, the Zohar calls this to become absorbed in the body of the king. We to become absorbed not in the garments. You're going out from the garment and you're going into the body. What's the difference between your garment and your and the body? A garment also is a, it's your same shape of your body. There's only one difference: is you can take a shower and take off your garments. You can separate from it. You can't take a shower and take off your body. You can't do that. The body is there until until 120, when God decides it's time to extract the soul from the body. So that happens. But in generally, the body and the soul are always together, and which means it's an inseparable bond. And here we're saying that the neshama should become so absorbed in God that it should become God's body that they two never can separate. Not even like a thought. A thought you can divest yourself from the thought. Here it should become non divestible because Hashem and the neshama become totally one. How does that happen? In a body dafka. There's something about the body and something about that very dark and rebellious um, um, narcissistic beast and animal that we have that drives us nuts all the time and doesn't let us one minute of relief to be, a, to be a good Jew. That very being is the secret to our success. That's awesome. And that puts the neshama into a union with, with, with God that was unthinkable before, impossible before. How? The high note. What's the idea of becoming absorbed in the body of the king? So first he's going to define what does that mean. Just like the unity of the body with the soul. How deeply are they unified? How much do body and soul become one? Very simple. Let me ask you something. Before the neshama comes down to the body, is the neshama shayach? Is the neshama is it possible for the soul to relate to have to feel a physical pain, to feel physical hurt? When it's, no, it doesn't have no shayach. The whole realm, and to say that that the soul will become tired or exhausted from aches and pains of, I mean, obviously aches and pains to the soul, yeah, but not to the body, because it doesn't have anything physical. But when it comes into the body. A pain of the body scars the soul as well. It's not like, oh, my body is hurting. When the body is hurting, it, it, the soul becomes affected by it. And souls become tired, and they become exhausted, and they become worn out. Of course, they come out of the body after 120, they get sent to therapy, and that's the various different places that the souls need to, re, to, re, to heal again and get themselves out of this. Uh, and, and, be, and be rehabilitated again. But they are deeply affected when they're in the body. And the reason for that is because the two converge and they become totally one. And, this, and that's the idea of every pain or every, every, um, every uh, infliction, every wound that happens in the body, the soul feels it, and the neshama becomes affected from the occurrences of the body. Why? Because body and soul are unified. And they become totally one. Now, the e, and, and the same thing should happen in our relationship with God. That our neshama should become so one with Him that they're inseparable, like a neshama and a body. 
And the neshama could not accomplish this on his own. The souls themselves would not be able to go into this type of union with God. Why? Because they stem, yes, before we spoke about the loftiness of the neshama over the angels, that they come from speech. Angels are created in speech. And neshamas come from thought. And thought is much higher than speech. That's true. That's when we compare it to speech. But on the other hand, thought is also has its limitations in terms of its unity with the thinker. Why? Thought is only a garment of the soul. It's not considered the guf hanefesh. It's not the body. And as it says, Garments you have made, that souls, he doesn't say those words here, he said it earlier. You made garments where souls come from. So souls come from the level of garment and not the level of body. And he's going to explain why. What's the lack of unity between thought and the thinker in which we're differentiating and we're saying it's not like body and soul. It's like a person's unity with his garments. Why? Very simple. Because the letters of thought, to the soul that's thinking them, even though it unifies with these thoughts, and you can never have an idea without thought. Think about it. There is never there's a possibility that you should have any cognition, any understanding, a concept, an idea without words. It's always thought. So thought is always there. You can't shut down thought. Shutting down thought means shutting down your consciousness. You can't do that. So the thought will always be there. And that's what makes it so much stronger than speech. Nonetheless, there's still, however, on the other side, the letters of thought, they're still like a garment. Why? Which, like a garment, you can switch them, and they're switched. Today you're wearing these garments, tomorrow you're wearing a different suit or a different dress. He says, clear. You can even take the same idea. Let's say you have an idea. Now the idea you can't change. If you, if you have certain ideas in your head, these ideas, which means this is your understanding of life, this is the way you understand the world, that you can't change. You could change it through a lot of study and you go to a different place. But generally, you can't just decide at any moment, I'm going to see the world differently and understand the way you want, the way your brain has been carved out, meaning your mind, that's the way it is. But that very idea, these very seichel, these very concepts and ideas, you can change the words that you're using to think them. You can sometimes have the same concept and you can say, I'm going to, th and you can dress them in one words or you can use different words. The thoughts are made out of words, you can use different words, which means they're divestible. Like you sometimes have the same concept, Rashi says it, and a different Mephorosh says it, and they're both using different words for the same concept. So you see that it's, the words are not so... They're attached, but they're not, unscrew, they're not un, unattachable. Because one seichel you can enclose it in these letters, and at certain times you use it in different letters. The is achid mamish, and it's not totally unified. like the body with the soul, because that unity, he and his emanations, which are shanefesh mispilus like like the soul that's in a body, that the soul is completely unified with the body. 
Now for the neshama to be elevated into such a unity with God that it should stop being a garment, it should become God's body. The neshama can't accomplish this on its own. It needs to come down and she has to become enclosed in a body. Not only with a body, but in nefesh achiyunis, but it has to um, be joined by an animalistic soul, a vivifying soul. Once, and because the, and you'll say, wow, come on, that's ridiculous. That's not bringing it to a more unified state. That's bringing it to a more disconnected state. And the answer is correct. Temporarily, it's going to be in a more disconnected state when the soul is in a body. But you read the zut, this descent is for the sake of an ascent. When the neshama goes back after it struggles in the body, and finally when the neshama goes back after 120, its unif- unification with its source, it goes up much higher than where it was before it came down. I, we all think, and this is something which is gewaldig in Hasidus. I, we all think that what, that, that, um, you know, we come in the body, and over here is where you have Sahara, and here's where you have all the pitfalls, and here's where you can get all the injuries, and all the, the, the terrible detrimental diseases that can come, and viruses that can be, can come on the neshama. And Chazal even say this, Halavai, if only, it should be Yitziyaseh min a'olam, a person's departure from the world, should be like Kibiyase, like when you came, and you should leave the world just innocent, like you were before. So what are we saying? And then, so that, that coming in a body is going to end up elevating the neshama. If there is, you'll say, well, maybe this is only for like the six tzaddikim who mastered being in a body and were not affected and did everything right. But most Jews are not these big tzaddikim. So for the rest of us, what is this, a game? And the answer you have to say, that all the injuries and all the blemishes and all these things that chazarai and garbage and muck that get stuck on the soul are all repairable. It's all damage that can be repaired. All you have to do is Hashem has to send it to the body shop after the neshama comes up. I just last week had to return my car to the lease. I took it to my good friend Yoram. He fixed it up, polished it up. He was even nice. He did it without charge, a $2,000 job. Thank you, Yoram. He did the whole thing for me. I gave it back. It was brand new, beautiful. It didn't take long. It was a week in the body shop and it was done. The same is with the neshama. The neshama comes down in this world, it wears and it tears, it gets injuries, it leaves this world, it has to go through, I'm not saying it's not a happy place to go through, it goes through intense therapy when it leaves this world. Sometimes that therapy, some people call it purgatory and hell. What it really is, it's therapy for the soul, to heal the soul. The soul is rehabilitated and healed, but you know what it does? That's the damage. The gain that it gets through the mitzvahs that it does, and the, and the end, the, when it's fought its way through all these klipos, and it's fights to forget, is infinitely greater than the blemishes and the falls that it has in, this, in its struggles. And God knows it's a worthwhile investment to put the neshama down, even though during its lifetime, the neshama is going to be miserable. And even afterwards, for a little while, till it cleanses itself, it's going to be harsh. But it's all worth it because eventually it's union which it gains from the body. In other words, we all, life is profitable and life is awesome. And even though we're not always doing the right thing, we're still gaining more than we're losing. That's the idea.
And that's the beauty of Hasidus over other schools of thought. And really like, oh man, coming in a bar. No, no. We're all doing good. We're all gaining. Or else Hashem wouldn't have been do- doing this to us. There's a big gain to gain from the body. But what is that gain to gain from the body? So simply you would learn, because down here it's challenging. And because it's challenging, the body creates the challenge. And the challenge and the Hashem has to fight. So it brings out certain strengths of the soul that the soul wouldn't have on its own. That is true, but it really goes something much deeper than that. Not only is the body, is the soul challenged by the body, but there is something about the body. The body has this mysterious power that the neshama has to latch itself onto. Something very powerful about the body and something very powerful about that animating force in us that is the power of all of our lusts and desires and impure whatever, all that energy, all that, there is something in, in there, there's a certain potency and power that the neshama doesn't have. And only from the body and through the body, obviously, if the neshama can harness those powers and use them to serve God, the neshama is going to be elevated way beyond it can ever have. And that's what it gains to become unified with Hashem Himself. How does that work? For that we're going to learn over here. Yes. The neshama. Yeah. Hashem gains, Hashem gains the dira betachtaina, what he desires. Yeah. But in the idea is kihine So now let's get a better understanding. So basically, what the mimer did until now, it described to us the loftiness of our soul over all the angels' awesomeness. Now he's going to speak a little bit about the. The, the body and where the body comes from. And this, and this troublemaker soul, where does it really come from? So the Indian who, he's basically going to say that this soul, this animating soul, comes from the supreme muscle men in the supreme worlds above. They're such muscle men, these entities, that they're the ones who can actually lift God's throne, the throne of Hashem, not only the throne of Hashem, but Hashem who is sitting on the throne, the, the, the supernal man that's sitting on the throne, they, these muscle men, these are such gesunte guys, that they have the ability to lift the throne and to higher even than where the throne was, and the human being that's on the throne, which is, so to speak, the, what we call HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to levels beyond, beyond, beyond. And that's where our animal souls really originate, in these mighty beings called the lion, the eagle, the, the, the ox, uh, these are not little, little, these are super powerful entities, even though they're creations. And this is an idea that we're going to learn now, is the, 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 the secret of the Merkava. The Merkava is very powerful. Merkava are meant, generally, to, so generally we see God has a chariot. What's the point of God having it? Because Yecheskel, when he, Yezuchariah, whenever, when they had their vision, they saw a chariot. What's the point of a chariot? So the point of a chariot is to carry the rider. Now, on simply the way we all understand this chariot is that God doesn't need this chariot. It's the point of the chariot is just like is to bring God down. When Hashem wants to channel and funnel His energy into the world, so these are the couriers. They're taking God's infinite lot, the, the power of Hashem that might be too intense. When it gets funneled through the angels, what happens? 
it gets kind of diluted. And angel to angel as they're passing it down. So that's why they're like carrying Hashem down to earth. Okay. So that's not too powerful. That's on the contrary. That's the limitation of them. Because they're so limited, it's like you have this big, huge, um, it's like you have this big, huge uh, 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 um, barrel or, or, or of water. And you want to pour into a little cup. The problem is the water is going to come pouring. You tilt this barrel over into the little cup. It's just going to overflow. It's not going to pull in. It's going to be with such force that it's going to, it's going to spill out. It's going to go in. Like when you pour very strong, it goes in and it splashes out. Like sometimes when you open a bath and you try to, and it's a strong current, it just, the water, you can't fill the cup because it's too strong. So if you use a, what is it called, a, a funnel, you put a little a pipe or something, and it goes through, so it weakens it. So you say, that's what the Merkava is. They're just bringing Hashem down. So he says, that's true. But the Merkava also has another, another purpose. And aside for bringing energy down, it actually carries the throne higher as well. Which means that there must be some unique power to these beings that they can carry the, the creator that's creating them, their creations. And they are creations from a creator that's creating them. And they're elevating their creator to a place higher than... What does that mean? How is that? And that is because the source of the Merkava is on what we call the world of Taihu. And this is a Kabbalistic concept. We learned about it many times. That the whole... Uh, the, that a whole realm, as we spoke about before, of the sefirot, the attributes of Hashem, the attributes, the sefirot, the attributes through, and which we say is that these are this is a, this this is the divine. This is as we spoke earlier. These are only emanations, emanations, vessels, and emanations that Hashem. And these vessels and these emanations, and we spoke about this on the Monday night class this week that in order for them to emerge into existence, because they're already, they have, lit, they have certain definitions, like chachma, chesed, these are definitions, in order for these things to emerge from God Himself, from God Himself, Hashem has to dilute His energy, His infinite power, down to absolute zero. And from absolute zero, he opens it up a tiny bit and allows a little crumb of light to go out. A little tiny. So it's diluted completely. And then it's like almost like something new completely. That's why we know that the ten sefiros begin with Chachma. And Chachma is alluded to in the God's name as you write it. Yud, K, Vav, K. The first Yud. What's Yud? Yud is a decimal point. What is that emphasizing? That Hashem dilutes His infinite light down to the tiniest, tiniest point. You can't go any tinier than that. There's nothing left of the original light. Zero. And from that nothingness, He gives up, he gives up boop, a blip of light. And that becomes the entire structure of the divine power that creates and sustains the creation. It's, all, it's basically God mitigates Himself down to nothingness. And from there, he reemerges in that structure to create the world. That powerful reduction of the Eser Sephiros, that immense diminishment of it, is, is, uh, is, is, is okay, that is, is what we call HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's wonderful. But it's nothing compared to the Ain Sof light that's higher. These animal beasts that are in the 
carrying the throne in the next world. They're already in the world of creation. Way, way lower than these attributes. They're already the creations. Because I, I think maybe I, it might be a little lost if I don't just map it out. So you have this, you have this dilution down to zero. Then it emerges, the sefirot begins the world of atzilut, the world of emanation, which is the yud is chachma, and then the hey, the bina, and the vav, and the six emotions, and then the hey. Then you have that, the throne of God, the throne to the hey, and then you have, in the next world, from the throne comes the creations. These first primordial creations, the lion, the eagle, which are really angels, these beings they are rooted in a place, even though they're creations of God, their source of their existence is in a place higher than the divine manifestation that creates them. Because it's higher from the Yudke Vavke. They come from a place beyond the decimal point. Where do they come? From the world of Tayu. What's the world of Tayu? The world of Tayu is God's first attempt to create vessels. His first attempt to create vessels failed. Not because God doesn't know what He's doing. He intentionally failed. What he did was, he emanated attributes and vessels, and then, he, and, then he, and, then he, and then he imbued his light into those vessels, and he gave the vessel such a powerful imbuation, he, imbu, he, he, he projected so much light into those vessels, the vessels burst. In other words, God did not dilute it down to the zero, like he did the second time. He allowed the light to flow kind of freely. What happened to those vessels? It shattered. And what happens? The shards from that, from that shattered world that touched the infinite light prior to its dilution to the Yud is what, is what became the debris, that debris from that shattered vessels becomes the root of these angelic beings. That's why they're so super powerful. Because they come from a place. Even though now, in other words, within the system of creation, they find themselves much lower than the divine attributes that create them. But we're saying in the ancient world where they come from, from way back then, it's a Kabbalistic idea, it's a Zoharic idea, um, this, they come from a shattered vessels where light was infinite and powerful and endlessly higher. Because of that power, that gives them the potency that they can take the throne and the, the, God, and the, and the man that sits on the throne, which the man is the configuration of all the sefirot, and raise it up past that yud, past the decimal point, back into the infinite expanse of infinite light and draw energy from there. So they're the ones who keep creation constantly in existence because they're con con connecting the sefirot to the beyond sefirot. And that's the idea, v'chayos noise sesakise. And guess what? Who is the inheritor of all that power and all that energy? Who is the one that contains all that energy? Who is the representative of those powerful, our, no, our animalistic souls? Our animalistic souls and our, these, these are, pro, these are, these, these are, these are um, 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 a little pieces, so to speak, of these angelic beings as they make their way down here. That's why we see that we can't, sometimes our bodies are uncontrollable. We sit here and learn hours, hours we learn this, hours and hours, and we're done learning it. Five minutes later, the body is again on fire. Just learn so much, relax. 
The animal soul is so powerful. It's impossible to harness it. It's like with all the information, with all the knowledge that you learn. Why? Because our animal soul is a perversion. It's a perverted. It's a perversion of these energies of these angels, which these angels themselves come from the primordial world of Tayo. And that's why they're so powerful. That's why the animal soul is more powerful than the soul. The soul has to outsmart it. But in brute power, you can't beat your animal soul. The only way you can beat your animal soul is with God's help, with a lot of prayer, and God's help, and through being cunning and being, and being, um, being really smart and knowing how to deal with it. Because the one thing the animal soul doesn't have is it doesn't have the brains that the godly soul has, that the nisham has. But in terms of brute power, the animal soul is much stronger. It's like the difference between Esau and Yaakov. We were learning. Okay, that's the idea that we're going to learn right now. Yeah, it's coming from the shattered worlds of the Ein Sof, of the Ein Sof, of those vessels of the world of Tayyum which later manifest as the malachim of the Merkava, which later, as they make their way down, come down to be these animalistic, uh, the animal soul of the person with all of its animalistic drives. But it has that power. And just like these, and hear this, and you see how everything matches. Just like these angelic beings of, 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 of the world of, of, of in, in Olam Abriya, the world of Bria, of these malachim, of this Merkava, has the ability to carry the Adam, the man that's above them, the Shekhinah, and even HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to levels of what we spoke about on Monday night as well, Kiloi Adam, to lift it up to a place that's beyond man, to the infinite, beyond Hashem's name, to God Himself. Just like it is in that bigger, right? In the same way, our animal lifts the Nishama, which is also above it. See, just like those animals lift the Adam above it, higher, our animal, which is a derivative from them, lifts our neshama up to places where our soul would not be able to reach without the animal. And that's the idea of the Yerida Tzayrechaliyah. Our neshama has to come down in the body with all of its mishigas and with all of its narcissistic behavior. And Daska in this body, it can gain that strength to make that impossible aliyah. That's what it is. The Indian, and the idea is, let's learn. The animal soul, Nilkacha, where is it stemming from? Misharsha, from its root, Michayas HaKodesh, from the holy beasts, that are in the chariot. Over there, there is a face of a lion, there is a face of an eagle. And we find by these chayos, noitsois, that they carry. They carry and they are being carried with the throne. There's two things to them. They are being carried by the throne. The throne, which means God is sustaining them and holding them up and directing them. In other words, they don't, they don't have any will of their own. These are very holy beings. They're nullified to God like, a, like, a, like the horse is given over to the rider. Wherever, you, wherever the rider wants to go, they go. They're completely nullified. But yet, they're also carrying the rider. Pidish. One is dependent on the other. 
Why do they carry and lift Hashem up higher? It has to do with their, with their bittel. They have a very powerful nullification to Hashem. They are carried to the throne, meaning they are nullified to him. Like the nullification of a horse to its rider. Like the example of a, 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 a just, like the, just like the horse conducts himself according to the will of its rider. That's why you're called a Merkava. Merkava is Merkava. This is the, the, the that you're you're being dri- driven by whatever. We know the Aves are called a Merkava. Why the Aves called a Merkava? Because they too were totally nullified and abnegated to Hashem's will. That's what's unique about a chariot and what's a, a, a vehicle. The vehicle doesn't have an opinion on its own. If you sit into your car and you want to go somewhere and your car starts talking back to you and telling you where he thinks you're today, which cars actually do talk to you and telling you you want to go this way and they tell you to go to the other way. And, 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 um, but but, but that you don't want to have that conversation unless you really you ask for it. You want it just, that's what the car is about. The one thing that doesn't talk back to you and it goes where you want to go. So the Abishter too has the Merkava, their bottle to him. But that very quality of bittel also gives them something else. They also carry the throne. The horse. The horse is subservient to the rider, which means he's directed, the rider is above him. But in his subservience and his nullification to the rider, he ends up giving the rider a ride where the rider can't go on his own. Even though the rider upon him, who are Iker, he is the primary entity over here. The, the horse is, is, is surrendered and secondary to the rider that's upon it, that, that to the one who's riding him. Nevertheless, notwithstanding its inferiority to the rider, yet it's also contributing and giving to the rider. It's it's leading the rider from place to place, but not only from place to place. But you say, okay, it's taking you from place, but you can go there without the horse. But no, it sometimes will take you to places that the rider cannot go without the horse. It's, it's a steep hill, a steep mountain. The guy couldn't get up there on his own. His horse takes him up there. He wouldn't to a place where he would not be able to go on his own. Kach, so the same is also as strange as this sounds. Hachayos, the angelic beings. Nois they carry the throne. From its place of holiness. which means the place where it is. Where is it positioned? At the head and at the very, very top of creation. That's its place. Hashem's kingship, Malchus. Hashem dominates and rules the world. Right? But there Hashem is already in a state of, so to speak, in a state of certain limitations because he descends to become the master of the universe. As big and magnificent as the universe is, it's still the master of the universe and has limitations. The, the, these angelic bees, beasts lift the, the throne and the rider that's on the throne, which is, so to speak, Hashem, to what we call a place that's higher. What's being higher than God? No, that's what we spoke about on Monday night. There is God and there is Godly. These attributes are the Godly. So you have to lift the Godly back to God Himself. What does that mean? Past that Yud that we spoke about. That Yud is the, is the point where 
the infinite light dilutes itself to almost to nothingness and then and then again emerges out to become the source of creation we have to go past that yud back into the infinite light that's called lifting the adam to a place that's loy adam that's not man and that's what he's explaining over here this doesn't make any sense what does it mean lifting hashem higher and the idea is it says in the pasuk say on the image on top of the throne the muskamara adam no on that which looked like a kisei, like a throne. Because the kisei is also not like, it's not a throne. It looks like what, what appeared to be a throne, there was another appearance, the muskimara adam, an appearance of a man. But it says kimare, like, bekafadimian. It's not to see that it was a man, it was like a man. What does that mean? Shaderech because when Hashem already um, descends, so to speak, to become the source for creation. So derech, it means the channel, the way. The seidri shtalshlus, and the order of evolving, where Hashem evolves from sphira to sphira, from attribute to attribute. May oilam vad oilam, from world to world, meireish kol dargin, from the beginning of all levels, as the light descends through the various different projections and manifestations of sephirot and worlds and attributes and as this descends, and this goes on endlessly as it descends lower and lower. That whole system is in the image or that, that's considered man because it has the same form like the human form. And it generally has, it's set up in a way that it has three, just like the human being has three, three, three um, parts to him. There's the right side, the left side, and the center. The same is also which is the body. And this is the way things evolve. There is Hashem's kindness, which is the right hand. And then there is Hashem's might, which is the left hand. And these chayos, when they carry the throne, what are they doing? They are carrying a smada adam Mara Adam Sha'alav, they are carrying this Mare, this appearance of man that's upon the throne, Lamaila higher Lipchinas Kiloi Adamu, to a place where God is called Loy Adam, I'm not a man. Lamaila Mipchinas Vegeder Hishtalshulus, higher than this whole Bechina and level called Hishtalshulus of contracted. And, and, and the, you know, the chain-like progression that is the source of the world. Laham shech misham, to draw forth from there, or chadash, new light. Because obviously we understand that everything has to trace itself back to the mucker of everything, the mucker achayim, the mucker. If things are not attached to the quintessential source, then ultimately it's all nothing. It has to go back. Even though Hashem has to create a powerful filter, in which he blocks his infinite light completely. And then after that begins a whole process of evolving worlds. After he first blocks his light and allows his energy to go through a tiny little keyhole, or even less than that, right? as we spoke at that decimal point, the tiny yud. Yet, that yud can't be clogged. That yud has to be open all the time. And who, who connects the adam to the loy adam, pushes that the spherot to connect beyond to the loy adam above to keep that flow happening. These are the malachim below the adam that have that power. 
Why? That's because we spoke earlier. He doesn't say it right over here, where they have that power from. Here he says because they are the Rochev, Merkava. But later he mentions it, and I mentioned it earlier, it's because of their source in the infinite light. They are sourced in the place higher, because they come from the shattered world of Toyu. So Misham or Chadash Lipchenas Adam. They draw down new light to what's called Adam, Sha'ala Kisei, that's on the throne. This is a new hamshacha, or chadash, and a new light. What we call from the soviv kalalman, which the Zohar says that God enlivens the world with two types of energy. One is called soviv; he encompasses the world with an infinite light, and the other one is called memalekalalman; he fills the world with a light that is with an energy that is fitting for each creation and each being. The memalekalalman that's Adam. Because Hashem, to fill the creation, God forms himself in a form of man. The Sovev Kalalman is God's unfiltered light. As it is, Sovev. And here you want to keep a flow going from the Sovev down into the Mamalek. Kihine, for behold, he explains this idea right now. We say, Antichakim, we say that Hashem is wise. So it doesn't mean that God is wisdom. Piddish, so he explains right now, it doesn't mean that God, this is who you are. It means He encloses himself in wisdom. He himself can't be identified with wisdom. He's infinitely beyond that. And he himself, he is exalted and elevated. Hashem is not of any of these midos. And on that place it says, Hashem is not considered a man. What does that mean? That infinite unfiltered light cannot be harnessed. It can't be limited. It's pure. It's infinite. It doesn't accept any changes. It's not divisible. This that Hashem's energy is divisible. It's, what do you mean it's divided? That when it creates a daisy, it's making a yellow flower. And when it's making a l- l- lilacs, whatever, it's a blue flower. Why is this blue and with a little yellow in the middle? But why is this blue and that yellow and this has this smell? Because the energy is different. Because the energy is divisible. Why is it divisible? That's after it comes down in, in, the, in the filter of Yud Vavke. Once we pass that barrier, then the Mamalakalaman splits itself and divides itself and has all these... Limit limitations happening to it, but the soyvev infinite light, indivisible. It's 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 everywhere the same. It's equal and it's 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 it actually is. It's not like it's it's not inside the world. It's everywhere and it's everywhere in its full power. It's not diminished. It's not related. It's not adjusted. It is as it is. And therefore, you can't. That's why you can't call them adam. Adam means what does adam mean? Right, left, and middle. That's adam. And, 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 and here, there is no Adam. Shebchenas Adam, that's an Adam. Ki bchenas eshtal Because that order of evolving light, who is where it goes from cause to effect, meirish kol dargen, from the beginning of all levels, shuhu oilam atzilos, which the world of emanation, at soifa asiyah, 
until you get down lower and lower and lower, until you come down to this lower world of the world of Asiya, which means, he's not talking about the worlds, he's talking about the divine energy that emanates and energizes and sustains all these worlds and creates all these worlds. So God diminishes his light, he filters, he sets up a system of filtration, of screens and filters, where he filters his light from Atsilus down to the world of Bria, down to the world of Yetzira, down to the world of Asiya, until he translates his energy into the forces of nature, which are the forces that, for, that, that, that are Shuchayas Ha'aretz Halazu, which is the fa- power of this world, of this earth. Mimayim are Yekavu Amayim, in which Hashem said, let the waters move to one side and let the earth be exploded. V'tira Ha'yabasha, Tatshe Ha'aretz, let the earth give forth vegetation. V'hubchenas Memalakalalman. This is the light of Hashem that fills all worlds. But above this filter, this is the soivev, which is the oirin soiv himself, which is completely concealed from the creations. We couldn't handle that because we couldn't be ourselves. We couldn't be creations in that light. That one is shava mamish, is absolutely even. At the very end of the physical world, it's the exact the same. The light isn't, the energy isn't any more diminished or any more expanded up there than it is down here. It's absolutely uniform everywhere because it's, it's ain't sof everywhere. Kilofanov, because before him, darkness and light are equal. There's no difference between light. The world of Atsilas is a world of light. Our physical world is a world of darkness. And by the Abishter himself, they're absolutely the same. And even in the earth below, there's none but him. And all of existence from the top of the infinite worlds down to here, before him, they're all absolutely like nothing, like non-existent. That's how nothing they are. And even the world of emanation, and even higher than the world of Atsilas, it's like a drop, we mentioned this on Monday night class as well, it's like a drop in the, in the Pacific Ocean. And I remember I mentioned there, that's, like it says in other memoriam, it doesn't say it over here, but even that is not a good comparison. It's just that we don't have an example for it, so we use a drop in the ocean. To show that on the one hand it comes from the ocean, but on the other hand it's not because the drops, he says, after all, even though a drop in an ocean is so tiny, but yet after all the ocean is made up of so many drops of water. So there is a number. How many number, how many of such drops is it gonna take to fill the ocean? An astronomical number. But yet it is a number. So it is a percentage of it. It might be a point, whatever, oh, 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 I don't know how many O's you're gonna have to put. And then to say, what this tiny little drop of this from the entire ocean. But yet is something. The chayos, the divine energy that makes it past that yud, in comparison to what's before the yud, is not, is not, it's not like Hashem is made up of a gazillion trillion times that energy. It's not that. It's almost like a whole new thing. It doesn't have z- it doesn't have anything of the ain't self. Nothing. It's like it, it goes through a metamorphosis and it becomes something completely new. It becomes chachma. The Ebrister is chachma. God is God is God is God. He's not intelligence or this or that. This is all. It's all us. It's all creation already. Rak Here's what the Rebbe says. It's through powerful contractions. 
Netzlu was emanated Chesed Roya Yemina, Chesed the right arm, Teferes Gufa, Teferes the body, Chochma Moicha, Chochma which is the brain, Bina Liba, Bina which is the heart, Chulu, Karkafta the Tvilin, there is the, the head of the Tvilin, Hubchenas Adam, which is the skull, Hubchenas Adam, that's Adam, Sha'ala Kisei, that's the Adam. In order to, drag, to pull down, to draw forth, from where God is not considered a man, to the level where Hashem is considered a man, that you should be wise. And in general, to draw down these three kavim, this is what the Markava is doing. Their Markava is, even though they're subservient to the Adam that's above them, to the divine power that's... But that divine power is the divine power that's here to emanate a creation. But that's, that's already infinitely far from God Himself. So this Markava carries their Creator, so to speak, back into the infinite light to keep that connection. Laharim to raise or lenasay to elevate the throne. When they say the throne, ukemara adam she'olav together with the man that's on the throne, lepchenas kiloy adam to the level where God is not a man who laham shechmi shamach hamshacha chadasha to draw down a new life flow, vishavas chadash and a new beingness bibchenas adam in the level called man that there should be a renewal of energy. So this is the malachim. Why do they have that power? We said earlier. Because they really come before the shattered vessels from that world where the light was infinite. So we said earlier that the malachim are called the Merkava. And um, we also mentioned that... Now, by the way, I'll stop right over here for a moment. Uh, because in order that because it might get a little complicated if we don't stop over here. And for this reason, our neshama has to come down in a body. Because the our animal soul is related and as we mentioned earlier, connected to these malachim. And therefore, it's dafka through the animal soul that we access this power to, to connect to our neshamas. Our neshamas are godly. Our neshamas come from Atsilas. They're godly. But they're stuck in the godliness of Atsilas. St- we said before, our neshamas come from Hashem's thoughts. And who's thinking the thoughts? The divine intelligence is thinking the thoughts. It's the Adam who's thinking the thoughts. So great, we're godly beings. And, 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 and that's not a little thing to think. <laughs> You're talking about the primordial being that's thinking the cosmos into existence. And then speaking the cosmos, and so we're talking about like, whoa, our neshamas are super mega big. It's like unbelievable, and higher in the sense that the angels are, because they're creations, and our neshamas are rooted in the thinker. Unbelievable, but yet, if you look beyond that, then the souls are pathetic. If you look beyond that, they're stuck in this tiny little drop. That, as we said before, doesn't have anything of the Ein Sof in it. As great as they are, yet they're sold. So in order to link up with the Ein Sof, 
that's the, that's the, that's the preciousness of a body. With all of its mishigas. And that's, but that's, but you can understand, that's why the body is so crazy. The body is so crazy is because it's linked up to this. See, once you're connected to the raw energy that's beyond intelligence, it's the madness. That's where the madness is. That's where, see, that explains the narciss, the narcissism of the body and the, the cuckoo-ness of the body. And it's, and it's it, sometimes unreasonable passions and drives that are so hard to harness is because the body is plugged into super energy. Eventually, if you trace it all the way back, back to where it is. So the neshama has to come down and get that connected to that. Now, he says, Now, similar to that, our forefathers are also a markava. They're also called the markava. But they're considered a higher chariot. They're considered a higher chariot. There is the lower chariot called markava tata, the lower chariot, and then there is markafti ilah, the higher chariot. To elevate God's midois, a love to him, in a state of What's happening over here is like this. We spoke before the, about the chariot of Malachim, and they are in the world of Berea. These initial angels that we're talking about, they're in the first world of creation. And they're elevating Malchus, the Shekhinah, the throne, with Malchus, the Shekhinah, and the Adam, which might, eh, to, to higher, to the Ein Sof. There's another chariot. And that's a chariot, not of angels, but a chariot of souls. Which souls? The souls of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. They are also a chariot, but they're a chariot in the world of Atzilus. And they're elevating also Adam that's on the throne. But which Adam that's on the throne? In Atzilus, there's also called a Kisei. Malchus is called a Kisei to the Adam that sits on it. The Adam that sits on it are the six. Let's, let's do a little, little Kabbalah here just to, be, just to map it out a little bit. Okay? Uh, generally, when we say Kisei HaKavod, we mean the throne for what's called kavod. Kavod is malchus, the shechina. And the kisei is the throne to that. It's lower, the throne. And the malachim are below the kisei. And they carry the kisei with malchus. But malchus itself is called a kisei, a throne, just like the kisei, the throne is a, is a the throne is a kisei to malchus, Malchus itself is a kisei to the to the Adam that's upon Malchus, which are the mass, the male attributes. Chesed Gavura Tefer is called Zeir Anpin. Their their keli, their vessel, their throne is Malchus the Shechina. Okay, so there's an Adam, a throne, and then a throne beneath that, and then you have okay. above that. Um, Bina is also called a throne because the two Hays are a throne. They're the two recipients, vessels, the haze of the recipients. Bina is the higher throne, and Malchus is the lower throne. To another Adam, a much bigger Adam. This week we spoke in the Shia that there were two faces. There's the human adult face. Remember we spoke by the Shia, the Monday night class. And we also spoke about the Kruvim, the cherubs, which are a child's face. This Adam that we're speaking of before about, that's the Shechina is a throne to, those are the two baby faces. The Shechina is the girl face. And the Adam, that's the boy face, he's the baby face. 
That's why it's called Ze'er Anpin, small face. Chachma is the Adam Elyon, the supernal man, which is mature and an adult, that's the Adam, that's a higher Adam, Adam Ilah, the higher Adam. Infinitely higher than the Ze'er Anpin, like the, like the baby face compared to a mature adult. Who is the throne to him? Bina. Bina is his throne. Now, just like the lower throne is elevated by Malachim, which are being below the throne, so to the higher throne, which with Chachma that's above it, is elevated to a much higher place through another chariot. Who is the chariot? Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. These are the chariots. This is a much higher. Here you have Michal, Gavriel, and Raphael. Here you have Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, Chesed, Kevurah, Teferes. They are a chariot to the to Chachma to raise the Adam, the higher Adam, into the Ein Sof as well. And the and the Hamshacha that comes down as a result of it, the flow of energy that comes down through it is a much higher flow than the lower Markava causes. The lower Markava also causes a flow from from the low Adam, from beyond man into man. But that flow is just for the sustaining of the worlds. It's just to keep the worlds going. Obviously, we understand that everything has to be connected to the original source. So to keep the worlds going, they, they, they keep that going. But the avod of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov is to bring new light, which is the light of Torah and mitzvahs into the world. Godly light, of much richer, deeper, internal light from the loy Adam into the creation. For that, there is a higher chariot, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. They're in Hashanah. Now, how does it work? Now, the question is how... Bishloim, and let me ask the question. I understand the, 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 um, the what's it called again, the Malachim. The lower Merkava is, a, is called a Merkava. Why? We said earlier. How can they be a Merkava? What's their power? We said because they come from the infinite light. They come from the Orin Soif because they come from the Shvira Sakelim. When the Or Hashem made, emanated vessels. And the first time before he made the Yudke Vavke, where he was Mitzam down to the tiny drop, the first time before he emanated through that powerful Tzimtzum, when he was a little more ambitious and he emanated the light as it is and it shattered the vessels. Oh, we say they come from that shattered, from that place. That's why they're so powerful. That's why they can lift. But, but now the question is where does Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov, which are the Spheros of Atzilus, where do they have that potency to carry the Chachma to a place higher? That question he asks later in the Mimer, over here. He says, How do they have that power? They're not from Oilam So he explains a fascinating idea, which I have to explain over here. And that is that something about a very important idea about our psychological structure of a human being. And that is that in the human being we find, we have intelligence. And generally the intelligence of a person is higher then the intelligence of a person is higher than a person's emotions. Intellect is up here, emotions are down here. Intellect precedes emotions. It's what we perceive and understand as good and as special. That which, that's what creates our emotions. We get excited about things that what? That we first, that we first become familiar with them in our mind. We get upset about things that our mind tells us is not good for us. So you see that in intellect is stronger than the emotions. It creates the emotions. It's called actually the appearance of the emotions. 
But if that was really, really the case, that the intellect is, so it would seem like the intellect is from a deeper place in the soul than the emotions are. Because the intellect has superiority over the emotions. They precede them, they direct them, they give birth to them, they create them. Always the mashpia is higher than, than the makabal. But is that really so? Just like we've spoken so many times that the woman is the makabal from the man, but really the source of the woman is higher than the man. Even though she, in Seder Stalshalas, comes out to be in the bottom of the recipient, but really on the, in the origins of origins, an upside down world, she's higher than him. So the same is also when it comes to emotions and intellect. Emotions are guided and, and directed by the intellect, and to live a healthy life, you have to have mastery of your emotions. And the intellect has to have control over the emotions. And we have the ability, we're born with that power of moach shalat al-alev. We can ruin that if we, if we, if we, uh, if we, if, if we, if we, if we fry our brains uh, through whatever, or through just constant ignoring the warnings of the mind, we can weaken the mind's control. But generally, the mind is has a control over the body, over the over the emotions. But in truth, the emotions originate in a place much deeper in the subconscious, in the superconscious. The emotions come from a much higher place than the intelligence. And intelligence is considered considered external and compared to the emotions. So here's the thing. The way the emotions, here's a very amazing idea. The way the emotions evolve into our consciousness is the order that God set up is first intellect and then the emotions emerge. And the, and the, and the intellect serves more like a, as a filter to filter down the emotions in a correct and healthy way to have correct emotions. But how many times do we see people who don't have control of their emotions? How is that possible? Because the emotions are, have like a life of their own. And why do the emotions have a life of their own? It says that in the, in the, in the soul itself, bef- see, both intellect and emotions, let me give it, I mean, it's a very, very deep Hasidic concepts that p- volumes are written about. And here we have to just, here we have thousands of such ideas in every three lines. Everything is like, this is, this is so condensed. So, I, but, but, but bear with me. Um, there is the soul itself, and there are the powers of the soul. So the soul, the soul emanates its powers. When the soul emanates its power, the order is, intellect emerges first, and then emotions come through it. But in the, if in the neshama itself, in the source itself, the emotions are rooted in the quintessence of the soul deeper than the person's intellect and the mind. That's why we know that an emotion has so much energy. But God set it up in a way that our, our, our emotions that are really from an inner, more deeper place within our soul, in order for it to enter our consciousness, has to flow through our intelligence and as it flows through the intelligence, the, the intelligence acts as a restrainer. If we wouldn't have the restrainer, and the emotions would come forth as they are, for, so two things. First of all, there would be no discrimination. And if you see somebody you like and you love, or that looks that you're attracted to, you would go act in a way that's inappropriate. 
Why? Because the emotion would just, and you would have no control, and we would be totally crazy people. We'd be dangerous people. And we'd get angry at things and forget about it. Because, so therefore God created this filter called the intellect. So the intellect keeps the emotions, and it, when the emotions go through the intellect, the intellect give it sort of kind of parameters and limitations and boundaries, and then the emotions are inferior to the intellect. But in its truth, the emotions really are rooted higher. And for that reason, it's the same also with our, our um, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, Chesed, Gevurit, Teferes. Even though in the manifest state, these emotions are lower than Chachmah and Bina, Chachmah and Bina are way above the emotions, but in the pre-pre- Things the, uh, the chesed gevurah teferes of the Abishter are much more essential in him than the than the than the intellect, and that's the reason why the Merkava Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov these emotions are able to lift the intellect to places that the intellect itself can't go because of their power in the pre soul, in the pre I'm saying in the pre consciousness, which is where which is where where they go. And that's what he says. So this, this Merkava element of, re, of being rooted in the Ein Sof, the animals, the, the, the animal beasts have that power and, and the emotions have that superiority over the intellect as well. As he says over here, the, 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 the hold on, Valderech Zeha Ovois, and the same is also with the Ovois, Hein, hein, amarkava. They are the chariot. Bepchenas merkafti, Allah, the higher chariot. Lahalos midos of Yisbarach. To raise God's midos, a love to him. Bepchenas bitul l'cha Hashem hagedula v'hagavura. You see, this raising, what does it mean to raise? To lift. Just like the malachim we said before, how are they a chariot to God? Through their nullification to him. We said it like a horse that's nullified to the rider. So to the emotions of Hashem, when they become nullified to the infinite light of Hashem that's beyond that, we say, we say in davening, L'cha Hashem ha that gedula is bottled to you, gevura is bottled to you. Li'os nimshach bahem, so when they do that, val yadam, so through them and with them, gilu yalakus, they can touch the orein soif, the orein soif baruch mamish, and the orein soif itself, v'hainu al yedei mesiros nafsham l'Hashem. In other words, how did Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov do that? It was through their mysterious nefesh, their total bitchukav itzimoyen. In other words, Avram was never satisfied in this, that he was the channel of Hashem's chesed to the world. It's great. But it, what, what, what he couldn't, which was, and he did his chesed nonstop. But deep inside of him, there was something burning that bothered him endlessly. And that is that what? That he's stuck in the mode of chesed. And Yitzchak was in Gevura. And the fact that he, they were yearning for what's beyond Chesed and what's beyond Gevura and what's beyond this, they were in a constant state of mysterious nefesh of like, that's always been a drive in them. With Simon, he says, with the thirst, which is because they originally originate in the Orient Saif. That's where they come from, even higher than the intellect. Higher than the intellect. Avram b'midas ava, Avram in his midah of love, k'moshakasav Avram ahavi, the Yitzchak b'midas gevura, and Yitzchak with his midah of gevura, k'moshakasav apachad Yitzchak. So that's why they're the Merkava. 
But here's the thing. So we too, the, the children of Avram who loved you, the children of Yitzchak, we have this inside of us as well. Also this boundless longing and yearning and mysterious nefesh that we have, which gives us also this chariot element, which is what we need in order to be able to do mitzvahs. In order to be able to channel Ain Sof down, you have to be able to connect to the level that's beyond the spherotic world. See, what we're learning over here is that the spherotic world, as great as it is, is still a limitation. It's a boundary. And it's a, and it's, and it's a real barrier. So you need to have that energy of breaking the barrier, the Malachim have it. And Nishamis also have it in the sense that the Nishamis are Merkava, because we're descendants of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, which also have the Merkava element to them. Now the question is, what becomes bothersome over here, if Neshamas have it already, because we're, in other words, if it's in the DNA of our soul, because we come from Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and they have it, so then why, this seems to go against the whole thing that we're learning. We're learning that Nisham has to come down in a body, and in an animal soul, and it's Dafka the animal souls that have that, that quality. And that's what we have to, and here we're saying that the Neshama has that, See, so the Emma is like this. The Neshama does have it, but this power of the Neshama is not really activated until the Neshama comes down in the animal soul. Because see, you see, the, the difference between our animal soul and our Neshama in terms of its emotions, our Neshama has holy emotions, and our animal, shama, our animal soul has drives. The difference between the drive of our Neshama and the is that the Neshama... It's all of its emotions are generally f- are are more intellectual emotions. The intellect is very powerful in the soul, because the neshama comes from the world of tikkun, and the world of tikkun. What's the world of tikkun? What's what's the difference between the world of tikkun and the world of toyu? In toyu, the light was unfiltered. In tikkun, it's filtered. So tikkun is very dominated by filters, by restraining, by filters. Therefore, in the soul itself, the, the intellect, which we said is a, is, is a filter to filter out the raw energy of the soul, is very dominant. That's why a soul loves God, it fears God, but everything based on its intelligence. It understands. It understands. Now, the neshama also has emotions that are rooted in the unfiltered energy of the soul, but in the soul, the filter is so good that it blocks the soul from accessing that raw, powerful energy of pure emotions, you might say like the mad, mad emotions. The soul doesn't have it. The animal soul in the man, meaning our physical side and our animalistic, there is where we see usually the madness. It's rare to... (laughs) When it comes to religiosity, to matters of Torah and mitzvahs, we ourselves see that it's easier for us to act with rational and reason. Even though we understand in our mind that we should be crazy about these things and run after them with the madness, even the inspiration is like very much limited by the intellect. But when it comes to our earthly cravings and desires, there is like, it's like, it's like there the emotions have, have, have energy and power 
and 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 say like this there's much less in other words we see mishagas much more see there's two worlds you have your nefesh will kiss your godly soul and so again we see mishagas when it comes to yiddishkeit as well and you see someone who say he's a fanatic he's a religious fanatic he's a madman Everybody's fanatic. You're fanatic about, 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 about making money. And this one is fanatic. I mean, I mean everybody's got craziness. Oh, but more people are crazy about material things than are about spiritual things. Because, and it's not that people don't have a developed spiritual side. They do have a developed spiritual side. But the spiritual side is usually more... more... more um, ra- it's more... It's more uh, under the under the under the jurisdiction of reason, and the animal side is not, because the animal side is a primarily a being of tayu, in which the emotions flow and the intellect doesn't restrain them that much, and the neshama is a is a being of tikkun, where the filter is a very strong filter. So even when we have emotions, the emotions are governed by the intellect. And it's very hard to get to the essential emotions. That's why, even though our neshamas essentially are descendants of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and we do have that energy within us to have mysterious nefesh, but we mainly gain access to that when our neshama comes down in a body. And it gets to experience the madness of the body to its physical desires, the neshama learns from it how to have that same madness when it comes to unleash its... its. See, the neshama also has a root in its emotions, in that, in that intense energy, unfiltered energy. But the soul, when it's not in a body, doesn't, doesn't have that. Is not in touch with it. That's the point. So really a neshama comes down in the body to learn from the madness of the body and from the animal soul, and to harness that madness into serving God. And when it harnesses that madness, then it has the Merkava element to it. And what's the Merkava element? The ability to carry the limited light into the infinite light, because you need that infinite power to do that. So that's why Torah and mitzvahs could not be given to souls when they're in heaven. Because then the mitzvahs would be, what would the mitzvahs be? The mitzvahs would be only spherotic, the mitzvahs would only touch the energy that is, already, that is already past that is limited. It wouldn't get to the infinite raw light. To get to that, you need the Merkava element. The Rishama has the Merkava element, but, it's, but it taps. It's able to tap it only when it's in a body because the body and the animal soul is a real Meshuganer. The neshama is not a meshuganer. The neshama is a reasonable being. The neshama comes down to learn from the body how to be a meshuganer. And we become, our Yiddishkeit takes on a certain craze, dafke in a body. That's what I'm getting from, from, from the mimer over here. The chain, again, the hu al yadei, now, the truth is, in the back, at the conclusion in the back of the Sefer, the words over here that we're going to learn now is to, 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 to fit it in and to understand it as it says. It's a little difficult. There is a girsa, a different, a different girsa in the back that he brings that makes the words flow much better. It rearranges one part, puts it in the end, 
and the other part in the front, and it becomes much clearer what he's trying to say. Um, uh, it's interesting that this, however, is the Gersa that they chose to put in over here, so I'm afraid to... So let's try to read it from here, as it is over here, and see if we can make sense of it as well. We also have this. No, the truth is we have to skip this. It, it fits so much better if we go according to the Gersa that's there. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to skip from the word Chulu, and we're going to go viru, and we too zerav ramai havcha bnei yitzchak yichidoi. We're going to skip all the way down to the last line of the page. The yerusha lanu ma'avoyseinu, and we have this yerusha hatshukav hatzimon. This very same longing lihibatel v'liikalu ba'orin soif baruchu mamish to become nullified in the ein sof. Um, the truth is, I'm going to. I'm going to have to look over here to be able to do this. Take care. See you. Job is only the right hand. Uh, where is it over here? I am base. V'chein anachnu. Yerushalayim said, "Hatshukav atzimoyin limsay nafshei be'echad." You don't have this inside, so don't you don't have to look in. Shal yedei zetis ala hanefesh ba'orin soif baruchu. Which only through this the soul is elevated in the ain't so mamish lamaila mebchinas adam. The haino lebchinas kiloi adam to a place that's not called man. Huli nachem liyazgilu yalakus vaoirin soiv baruchu mamish benafshoi in his neshama. Vitesachei da nefesh baoir Hashem ain't soiv baruchu and the soul becomes unified with the oirin soiv mamish ulishta ava begufa de malka mamish and v'koyach zen nitin liyisrael bematan Torah. And this power we received at Matan Torah, Noichi Hashem Alekecha, Pidish Anoichi Mamish. That's what the Ebrister is saying. Anoichi Hashem Alekecha. So this power, this power, for the soul to, through its yearnings and cravings, to reach up into the Ain Sof and draw God Himself down. And then through our performance of mitzvahs, to draw it into the creation, but it's but you have to first have that pull and that connection. That power the Abishter gave us at Matan Torah. What was the first opening words? Anochi Hashem Alakecha. Anochi, I am your God, meaning I am your power. Pidish. Anochi Mamishu ain't soif baruchu ba'atzmai higher than that yud. Ubechvoide shalamayla megeder almen bchinas mamala kal almen. I will be your power. He will reveal himself in the soul of man. Literally the Anochi. Now if the Anochi would come as is, then it wouldn't be able to enter into our existence. Anochi Hashem. See, in the rest of the world, see this, this is the Chiddush over here. In the rest of the cosmic order, Without Matan Torah. Anochi is completely concealed and hidden. Hashem filters that, blocks that. And Seder Rishtal Shalos begins with Havaya. It begins with Yud Kevavke. It begins with a point. And that's it. So the energy is only from the Yud, not from higher than the Yud. The point over here is no. You're going to reach out and grab the entire Anochi, the entire God, bring him down. And yet, how is it going to be facilitated in creation without destroying it? It's going to come through the Yudke Vavke. But it's a different Yudke Vavke now. It's a Yudke Vavke that is saturated with Anochi. That's a whole different Yudke Vavke. 
It's Yud Kevavke with infinite potency from the Anochi, from the Ain't Sof itself, compressed and contracted. The difference between the two contractions are without the Anochi, we have a dilution, a diluting of the light. With the Anochi Hashem we have a compression of the light. We have the entire Anochi being compressed through the Yud Kevavke. It's a different story. And your power then is infinite and endless. This Havaya is coming from Anochi itself. Now, the others did it through what? Through their longing. We, Bnei Yisrael, their inheritors, have this longing as well. But, 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 but really, after Matan Torah, our ability to do so is through, is in addition to the, to, to the Ratzai of the Nefesh, the mysterious Nefesh of the soul. In addition to that, it's through the actual performance of Torah and Mitzvahs, which the arm, which is going to explain now, the arm Mitzvahs that are all about it, our longing upward, and the arm Mitzvahs all about channeling down. And that's what it's all about. Getting to the Anoichi and channeling and channeling that Anoichi down into the world. So that's where he says back into the Mimer over here. He says, There are mitzvahs that are going up. Which are all about Allowing the Adam to touch the Loy Adam to go up beyond. The Yesh Mitzvah Shem Bepchenes Ham Shachis, and there are mitzvahs that are channeling down, Kamoy Tzitzis Utfilin, Ubehem Val Yadam, and with them and through them to Salah Nefesh Le'ain Saif Baruchum Mamish. The Yumshach Gilui Oirain Saif, and it will be drawn down the Gilui Oirain Saif Mamish Benefesh. But you can't, but Torah and Mitzvahs itself without having a Jew doing them won't work. Because Torah and mitzvahs themselves are, as we said before, in the spherot. We said before, there are three channels. Chesed, Gevura, Torah, Avodah, Gemilas, Chasadim. Some mitzvahs. But it all re- only the Jew who has that nefesh, which the Abishter gave him by Matan Torah, the ability to connect. Because here's the idea. We're longing with Mesiris nefesh. We're longing to become absorbed in that light. Who says God is supposed to be impressed by that longing if the longing is coming from within a being that's living within the Yud? We're living in the Yud. We're living in this speck of nothingness. So we're longing. So therefore what? If, if Kula Kamei Kalachshiv, we learned earlier, if all before him is not, then the longing is also not. Why should it capture Anoichi to compress himself? And the answer is by Matan Torah, God decided to make that connection. He gave us that connection and he said, now when you will long for me, you will pull me. Every time you will long for me, you're grabbing me in my kishkes. Literally. You're, you're grabbing, because I decided, I'm plugging myself into you that your longing should reach me. And then your mitzvahs that you're doing that are channeling should channel me. Your longing reaches me and your mitzvahs that you're doing channel me. That hookup 
which means that connection was given to us by the giving of the Torah. Which means these re- the Torah and Mitzvahs are all set up to be set up within the Adam. And that's why Torah is in the middle. Connected to this week's parasha. So that's its limitation. In order to elevate the Torah into the Oyrin Soif, Mamish, Shalamailam Ebchenas Adam, Kiloi Adamu, who al Yedei Yisroel, it's through the Jewish people, Shehem Zerah, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, which they have the Markava element. We said earlier, they have the Markava element, and now we skip back to over here. But Vahayna Dafka, Bislap Shusay Beguf. Yes, we have that power in our Nishama. But that power in the Nisham is only activated in a body because those emotions, those maddening emotions, those craziness, that emotions that are not from the filter, that are from beyond the filter, we pick that up in our body. Souls, when they're not in bodies, are very, very governed by reason, by intellect. In Ganeiden, they sing Tashem, they plug, but everything from the mind, everything through the Seichel. So they come down into this world to become chassidim. That's what it is. Come a little crazy. Up there, they're non before before they come into the world, they're not chassidic. It's a very seicholdik. Everything is seichel, reason. See this fire, madness. They pick that up when they come in the body. The, it's interesting. The Alter Rebbe initially, when they want, they wanted to name chassidim. Chassidim were not supposed to be called Chassidim. Chassidim were supposed to be called Balei Tshuva. That would have been the name of Chassidim. And it wasn't the Chassidim who chose the name Chassidim, it was the non-Chassidim who called the Chassidim Chassidim. But if not for that, the name would have been Balei Tshuva. Because that's the whole difference. We're also with a Baal Tshuva. See, you ever see the difference between a person who's, when you say FFBs and the Baal Tshuva? Who are the crazy Jews? The Baal Tshuva. You know, they do, who's the guy who runs around for Mincha? He has to get, he goes crazy. Like, again, it's the Balchuva guy. Why? Why? Because that's the thing. The more, the, the more you're coming back, you're coming back from the, from the disconnect, you're going in, the more you're harnessing the worldly elements into godliness, the more the craziness comes out. And that's the whole point of it, to get that craziness. When Yiddishkeit is only coming from the neshama, it's too, it's too reason, too, too locked in reason. And it keeps everything, it's very holy and very good, but it remains in the worlds of limitation. It only gets to the beyond limitation through that. V'chein, v'hayna dafka, as he says, b'slapshuso b'guf, dafka when it comes in a body, nefesh ha'chayunas, shenil which they come from the aryeh p'neishor, which they come from toyu, as we said earlier, to the level that's not Adam. And through this, the Neshama is going to get a, an equality through its enclosement in them. It will be a descent for the sake of an ascent. Because it is known. 
Shegadol koyacha baltshuve yoiser mitzadik, because the power of the baltshuve is greater than the tzadik. What does the? That's basically the neshama is a tzadik. The animal soul, when the neshama comes down in the animal soul, the animal soul disconnects it. So now, if it's coming back to God, the neshama is coming like a baltshuve. And what is a, a baltshuve? A baltshuve is a deprived soul. You see, all these years without Torah and mitzvahs. Created, created such a desperation. And when someone is desperate for something, then they're mad. And that's what the neshama needs. It needs this desperation. And that's why it comes in the body, to get that desperation. The place where the baltshuva stands. The Zayr says, why is the Balchuva higher than the tzaddik? So a lot of places give the explanation because it, he has to fight Yitzhahara more and the like, and he, when, he, when, he, when he restrains himself. The Zohar says it's because the Balchuva is a madman. And that's it. Which means, and why? Because there is a certain alacrity and a certain intensity in their service that the tzaddik doesn't have because they need to compensate for the lack and the yearning. The Zohar says, They pull Hashem with added vigor. They pull God with added vigor. It means the more energy there is in that longing. When the neshama comes down in the body, and then the soul came down, it fell down in a wondrous way, meaning it's, in, it's incomprehensible how lowly the body is compared to the neshama. Then the neshama becomes ubebchenas bal tshuva. The neshama is a bal tshuva. Kitigodel hatshuka. We're on page one forty-two. Kitigodel hatshuka v'atzimoyin because the quest and the thirst is is expanded. Lashem tashem bebitul elov yisbarach with a bitul beyeser seis with an added vigor. Bechdeshet tuchal nafshoi seis more than the soul can handle. Basegasa. In other words, it goes past. In other words. Before it, before it enters the body, the emotion is commensurate to the understanding. As much as it understands, that's how much it loves. When it comes in a body, it gets to experience emotions and intense desire more than what the, the mind can handle. It's not, it's, not, it's not an equivalent to the understanding. So, so what does it mean? It takes the neshama to the Ein Sof. Because the mind can never comprehend Ein Sof. The mind will always remain in the realm of, 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 of limitation. So, but, that's, but the heart can crave more than the mind can, 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 can know. Hashem is born in more than... For what it, what it contemplates in the greatness of Hashem. It has no end. And, and, and here he gives an interesting thing. What causes, why dafka will the neshama in a body experience such, such longing? Because, because the soul gets so, the soul gets frustrated. That's what happens. Because the body keeps on distracting it. And the body keeps on pulling it in different places. And because of that, it starts creating an angst. As he says, and all the delights of the world, that the body and the animal soul are so drawn after them. 
these obsessions, these physical things and pleasures and delights, and the, these things are so far from God that when the nisham is inside of them, the soul screams, get me out of here. Ukudishah saying his holiness. So that only creates more desire in the nishama for closeness to Hashem. The ilazais, so that does that what? Tichla, it causes the soul to get thirsty. The and the soul longs, lotseis minarteka, to escape its 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 container. Hen hen halavushim, these are the garments shebeguf of the body, the nefesh achiyunis, and this vivifying soul. The yoveli de kiyum vahaftas Hashem alakech. And it will come to the fulfillment of Vahafta Hashem Alakecha. You should love God, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul. Like it says, Who is to me in heaven? Don't give me heaven. The Nishama cries out. When the Nishama was in heaven, the Nishama was satisfied with heaven. But once the neshama comes down in its body and it's so longing, it says, don't give me heaven, don't give me spiritual delights, that's not what I want, I want you, God. Because of its blockages. After the neshama is in a body, it's like light coming from darkness. It reaches, which is a whole different category of love. With all your might, more than what the soul can apprehend. And this is the bitl and the oirin soif mamish. So the body itself gives that to the neshama. And when it has bitl to the oirin soif, it so it's reaching the loy adam, the non-man, and from there mamish. To draw them from their revelation of Hashem, in its occupation, in its in its doing, its its involvement of Torah and Avodah. The kol zeh, but here's the thing. Good, you have the longing, and you have the hamshacha, the neshama in and dafka in the body. Very good. But the question is, as we mentioned earlier, who says that our longing is supposed to impress God, and who says that our doing of mitzvahs is supposed to channel? On our end, it's beautiful. But on his end, who says he's supposed to be affected? And all of that was given to us by Matan Torah. What was given to us in Matan Torah? Two things. Our ability that our longing should reach him. And number two, that the, as a result of after we long and we desire him, when we do a mitzvah, we should channel him. That was given to us at that moment. This power was given to the Jewish people. We should be able to climb up to the infinite heights and also to be able to channel. Number one, that their Mesiras Nefesh should should be included in the Ein Sof. Later he's going to say, a non-Jew, a Gentile, even if he has Mesiras Nefesh, even if he's willing to give his life up for God, it's not going to reach the Ein Sof. Why? Why should it? You want. Okay, so you want. Therefore what? And if someone wants to be your friend, someone starts emailing you and making you crazy. Yeah, sometimes people have people that are uh, being, what are they called? Uh, um, what? No, not prayed upon. Stalked. You have stalkers who stalk people, and therefore this big actress is being stalked by some by some by some shugana. and therefore because he's stalking her, and he's uh, therefore what she should be impressed by him. Why should God be impressed because someone is longing for him? 
The answer is, Hashem invested himself in this relationship by Matan Torah. He said, Anochi, I'm giving you my, my essence. And when you long for me, it, it reaches me. And then we should draw down the Torah mitzvahs from Mipchenas Oirein Soif, from the Oirein Soif Baruchu. And that happened by that event. And that's why all Neshamas had to be there. Without this, our mitzvahs are lacking all of its vitality and all of its potency. If this power was not given to us, then Messiris Nafish would not have been elevated in Atmos Oyrin Soif Mamish. Now he said already earlier that the Avais de the Markava, and since they're the Markava, they do draw the Oyrin Soif. That's before Matan Torah. And the answer is, he adds those words, our longing in Mesiris Nefesh would not reach so deep in the Ein Sof, or Ein Sof Baruchu Mamish. It implies that there was, since a Jew is a Jew, and he has a special neshama, and he's a grandson from the others, so even without Matan Torah, we would be tickling the infinite light, so to speak. We would be reaching for it. But not the Or Ein Sof Baruchu Mamish. And the same is also our mitzvahs would not have the ability to draw down and again he uses the word mamish, mamish meaning the substance of it. It's completely beyond worlds. Above, above from the level called Adam. What's called Kiloy Adam. Because why should Hashem be impressed by our tzedakah? You'll say, well, the guy is such a philanthropist. He's helping so many people. He dedicated his life to do good to people. Well, is God good? That's beautiful. Is, God's, is God himself supposed to be impressed with that? There's a verse that says, Im tzedakta, if you do righteousness, what are you giving him? Ella, should be Yisrael nimshach koyachzeh. By Yidden, this power was given to us. By Matan Torah, by Matan Torah, Leois Behem Talui Hamshaches Hamitzvus. That all the flow of mitzvus is dependent on them. V'Nimshach Behem Bechenas Anoichi Mamish, and the Anoichi is drawn into them. Leois Alekecha Mamish to be your power, and this is the meaning. V'Zehu Anoichi Asheher. This is Gavaldik. I am God, your God, that I took you out of Egypt. What does Egypt mean over here? Not Egypt over there, Egypt. Of course that as well. I took you out of Egypt. Egypt means I took you out of a world of limitations and constrictions and boundaries. And what, what is boundaries? Boundaries simply we mean it means we're stuck in all kinds of Sahara, all kinds of dark things. True, of course that's Mitzrayim. But there's a much higher Mitzrayim. There's a holy Egypt. What's the holy Egypt? The Sphirot. They're, they're Egypt because they have limitations. This whole order of intellect and emotion, this is all limitations, all boundaries. David says, I took you out of that whole thing. I took you, I freed you. I freed you from any bounds. I allowed you to enter and submerge with the infinite and from there draw down. The entire order of Ishtal Shalos, Nikra B'Shem that's called Egypt. Pchenas Meitzar Gvul, its limitation, its limit, its its constriction and limitation. Why? Shuvah Pchenas Adam. It's Adam, and Adam is limited. Gimel Kavin. 
three kavin, three umay lomata, up and down, chulu. Shenes chalkus amadregas. These are division. Mash enkein liyisrael, which isn't the case to the Jewish people. Nitn koyach hayichud ba'oyrein soif. The power of unifying with the oyrein soif himself. Shalomay lomishtal shalus. That's above the entire progressive order of world. Pchenas kiloy adam, which is not adam. She'en sham is chalkus amadregas klau. Which over there, there's no division of levels which should create Mitzrayim. This level and that level, these means all limitations. They're all Mitzrayim. There's no boundaries over here. And therefore, what's the second commandment that God says right after Anoichi? I am God, your God. By giving you my Anoichi, I took you out of all limitations and all boundaries. And then he says, you shouldn't have any other gods. And we ask the question, what does he say? Don't have any other gods. I'll panai in front of me. So we said, and not in front of God. You'll not have any other God. God is everywhere. What does he mean? Don't have him. In front of me, you shouldn't have any other gods. What is the meaning? This is not only a commandment. The Alter Rebbe is saying, God is not just telling us a commandment. Don't have any other gods. God is saying like this. I am God, your God. Now, I took you out of Egypt. In other words, you have access to me, to me yourself. You know what? By you having maya noichi, loyiya lecha, there will not be to you elokim acherim, any barriers. Elokim means any concealments. Elokim is the power of concealing. Elokim acherim, any, uh, any barriers, any limitations, any limiting powers, alpanai that block my face will not be by you. You have the power to blast through every, every concealment and every darkness. There is no darkness in the world. There's no Indian in the world that you can't blast through. Because the whole idea that something can conceal on God, let's understand something. Oh, this is crazy. The whole reason why things can conceal on Hashem is only if the order of godly light is evolving from the Yud, from Yud Kevavke. That sets a whole, what we call a whole paradigm. It sets an entire paradigm of this world, is, this level has a lot of light. This level is less light. This level is less, less, less. And eventually there are klipos and klipos and dark forces and darker things and darker things. And this is a sin and this is a real extreme darkness that can conceal and block God. But that's only if you're functioning from the Yud Kevavke. But if you're functioning from the Anoichi, Anoichi doesn't lend itself to any divisions, to any, to any concealments and any blockages. Because before him, all is not. And that's what Hashem is saying. It's not commanding. He's saying, Lo There will not be, by you, since I have taken you out of Mitzrayim, you will not have any concealments, Alpanai, that block my face. Because that's only Shaykh, if for the rest of the world, because their Hamshach is coming only from the Yud from the Yishtalshalos, not from beyond the Yishtalshalos. But you that are having access to what's beyond the Yishtalshalos, there's no concealments for you. Nothing can block a Jew. It's a commandment. It's also a promise. There won't be anything blocking the light of Hashem. From the innermost of the life force of the Ein Soif. It's beyond the whole progressive order. Because as we say in the Pasuk, even darkness doesn't make dark for you. In the Adam, there is, the Adam has a brain, 
and the Adam has, a, has, has, has feet, and at the feet he has, an, he, has, he has heels, and the heels are low, and the brain is high. So you have differences. It creates a descent of levels. The slapshus, there is enclosement of God's energy. For instance, the angels, the ministering angels, they conceal God's light and more concealment. Then you have the concealments of nature, forces of nature. But that only applies to the nations. To nations, for example, there are the constellations, and people feel that they are, people feel that they are, they 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 have to always check with the, with the, um, what is it called, with the, with the mazel, which is the, called the um, the zodiac, and the and the uh, what is it, astrology, the signs, astrology signs, because or, yeah, because these things are are shaykh to the nations, yeah, because to God, because to the nations, since their their access is only from the light of Hashem that that is already filtered into creation through the filter, that filtered light comes down and it gets God, even though Hashem runs everything anyways, but it gets covered and obscured through the various different obscuring, obscuring things. So there's other powers besides me, and that's why it says, Hashem Hashem gave these things to the nations, but to you, you have me. Hashem says, Hashem says, You I have took the I took you out from the from the from the uh, uh, from what's called the oven with a melt metal. I raised you up from below and I raised you above the whole thing. and that's the meaning me You can't be enslaved to anything. You can end up being trapped in something. Like you see, Avram, for instance, is representing the attributes. We said earlier, Avram. From Avram, who comes from Avram? Yishmael comes from Avram. Yitzchak, who's a big tzaddik, what can evolve from him? Esau. So you see that even the biggest tzaddikim and even the holiest energies if it's not God Himself, and it's only the godly, negative forces can evolve, and eventually you can end up with ISIS and things like that. Real heavy-duty klipas. Real concealment. But not when you have Anochi. From Anochi, there can't be any blockage. Um, and his face will radiate, radiate with, with us all the time. Now we're concluding. We're only learning this one last piece, Vezehu, until the Tois Vizbir. We're going to stop over there. Vezehu, and this is the meaning of Zachar Vishamar Bedibur Echad Nemru. We began the mimer that God said Zachar Vishamar one Dibur. In one utterance, God said, Keep Shabbos and observe the Shabbos. And we said, Why did God say that in one, in one utterance that no one can hear it? And the answer is, when God said, Zachar v'shamar, b'dibur echad, in that, by Hashem saying, Zachar v'shamar, that's the empowerment that we're talking about over here. As Hashem is empowering our neshamas. He says, Anoichi, I am God, you're God. I took you out of Egypt. I connected you to my essence. And therefore, your longing is going to pull me, is going to reach me, and your, and your mitzvah that you're going to do is going to channel me. These two things, that we can long for God, that our longing should reach Him, and that our mitzvahs should channel Him, that is Zohar v'shamar. The Zohar says Zohar is male, and Shamar is female. Zohar v'shamar. 
male and female. And the Zohar says there's two parts to Shabbos. There's the feminine Shabbos and there's the masculine Shabbos. The feminine Shabbos is Friday night and that's why in davening everything is kala. We sing Eshes Chayel. Everything is kala. L'chadoidi likras kala. Shabbos queen. The highlight and the focus is on the Jewish woman. Friday night. The whole energy of Friday night, the female represents longing. We spoke about it by the sheer Monday night that the two cherubs, the male cherub is channeling and the female cherub is the longing upward. The woman's energy is the, the recipient rising to the, to the mashpia, to the one who's giving. The male energy is the mashpia channeling down to the recipient. Shabbos, we have two complete energies every Shabbos. Friday night is shamar. That's why Friday night is a female Shabbos. The entire energy of Friday night is a longing energy. All of existence is a longing to be reunited with its creator. Shabbos day, the whole chemistry of Shabbos changes. Shabbos day is, as a result of our longing from Friday night, Shabbos day, Hashem is, Hashem's pleasure is being channeled into the world. Shabbos day is a far more relaxed experience. It's the masculine energy. The davening that we say, not the Yanuchu Ba, we say the Yanuchu Bo, which is male, because it's the flow downward. So Shabbos really represents these two aspects of what we said is what all mitzvahs are. First is the longing, and then there is the channeling. In Shabbos you have that both. Hashem said Zohar v'shamar to empower us that our longing should reach Him, that's the shamar, that we should have the female power to be able to attract Him and to long for Him. Shamar means to wait. Like it says, v'aviv shamar esadava, that He waited. We have the ability to long and to wait and that our longing and waiting should reach Him. That's the female Shabbos. And that's the feminine aspect of all of Yiddishkeit, is the longing for God. And then Hashem empowered us with the masculine, Zohar, which is the ability, why Zohar besides meaning Zohar means a male, but Zohar means something else. Zohar also means to remember. Now what does remembering something mean? Someone called you and asked you to do something. And you said, yeah, I'm going to do it. If it's not such a big, major, if this person or this request doesn't occupy super space in your consciousness, it's possible you can forget about it. How many times? Oh yeah, I forgot, I'm sorry. Because this is not such a, it doesn't occupy. So what is remembering? Remembering means I'm turning to that little thing and I'm giving it my attention. So what God channeling himself down into the world through a mitzvah. It's called remembering. He's remembering this infinitesimally small nothing and he's, the anoichi himself is being channeled. So the masculine element of mitzvahs of channeling is called remembering. The feminine quality of mitzvahs and the feminine quality of Judaism which is the longing that prayer which comes before the channeling now Hashem has to empower our Zohar and our Shamar. Without Hashem empowering the Shamar, our longing wouldn't reach anywhere. Without Hashem empowering the Zohar, our channeling mitzvah wouldn't do anything. It would be like a guy putting on tefillin. It doesn't channel anything. 
has to happen. So that's why Matan Torah is Zachar Vishamis. That's why I mentioned earlier in the beginning of the class. It's not only about Shabbos. From Shabbos, it applies to all of Yiddishkeit. Shabbos is like the center of the week of all of our Torah and mitzvahs because Shabbos is the nucleus. This is what we do on Shabbos. We long and we draw down. But why don't we... We draw down the mitzvahs for the whole week, our power to do mitzvahs all week. And then at the end of the week, we're long again. We draw down a new energy for the next week. So all of our mitzvahs are related to this Zohar Vishal. And soon we'll see why they have to be said B'dibur Echad in one utterance. Let's see in a minute. The Zohar says Zohar is for male. Remembering means I'm shacha down, which is a masculine energy. That's called remembering. When something is far from you, and, and you remember it, I remember you. I remember the thing. Because it's distance. To draw down the oirin soif. above the entire is exalted and elevated, holy and, and separated. But yet, Hashem decides to channel Himself down into Chachma. In order for Him to enclose Himself, He has to remember, like we say now, remember us. What's the Nukva? His father was waiting. Waiting. This is the longing. The Mechabal longs to the Mashpia. Ka'ani, like a poor man, at Soife, that waits. Umabit, Masayitana Balabayas, Liyodema When will the Balabayas put something in his hand? He longs. He stands by outside the house, waiting with the time that he can go in and has an appointment to go and ask for the rich man to give him. So too, the all, all Seder Rishtalshalis is considered a poor man that's standing in front of God, longing. So the fact that the Jewish people longed for God and that our longing should take effect. Like it says in the Pasuk, like the eyes of the servants, like the eyes of the maidservant, by, by her mistress, so is our eyes to God. And we also say, to you, our eyes are longing. By the way, like the eyes of the servants, it says in the other Mimer, it means just like the Merkava, they're also longing. So just like them, knew our eyes also long to you. In order that there should be a yichud lemekabel, in order to have the unity of what? The longing for the Ein Sof, and then it should create the flow of the Ein Sof, and that the two should join together. Because as you long, even though these are two opposite energies, we spoke about this Monday night too. That the two kruvim, which are two opposite energies, the female kruv is the upward flow, upward yearning. And the, and the male is the... In order for them to unify, we said mina kapoiras, they have to come from one kapoiras. We spoke about... It's amazing how this shear today in many ways reflects what we've learned on Monday night. They have to come from one kapoiras, which is higher than both of them. Higher than the boy and the girl. 
so mebchenas shmira zula makabel is yichud hashpaz zula mebchenas mashpia sheikluleh mamashpia vahamakabel that both of them should connect muchrechlias es oiredus mebchenas al yoyne yoyse mishneim something that's higher than both of them vahainu al yedei mebchenas kiloy adam from the low adam it allows that the that the flow down of mitzvahs and the ascent up should join together. Over there, there is no division between the mashpia and the makabel klal. That's why because it's coming from a place where there is no longing and giving because he's beyond both of them. Which the mouth can't speak. Because we're living in a world of eschalkus. Because by Matan Torah, the Anochi himself was revealed. And this is the main giving of the Torah to the Jewish people. That the drawing forth of the Oren Seif should be dependent on them. And now we conclude with the last phrase. And this is why Rabbi Yosef, the great sage, would say on every Shavuos, he would say, make for me a big, go get a big calf and let's, and let's fire up the barbecue. Get for me a, a, a calf that is uh, the third one to, the fat, to, the, to, his, to, to his parents, I mean the third calf in the family, it's a fatty calf, let's cook up a barbecue, because this is a special holiday, so we have to really party. Why? Because if not for this day of Shavuos, Kama Yosef Ika Bishuka. How many Yosefs, how many Joes are in the street? How many Joe Schmoes are in the street? And now his name is Yosef, which is, and he says, how many other Josephs are there? And now, meaning to say, if not for this day, our mitzvahs would be lacking and our Torah that we would be doing, I learned Torah, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't have any true potency and a real substance to it. Because again, this is the day in which God committed himself, linked himself up, that our longing and our drawing down should affect him. He, the Abishter, the Abishter bonded with us. God tied the knot and entered into the relationship and said, I'm here. So when you long for See, if this would not have been drawn by Matan Torah, and the and the Torah would have only been in the Hishtalshalus, in we would have had the Torah of Atzilus, but not the Torah that's beyond Atzilus, not the Ainsov. How many other Yosefs are there? So the Eisek Torah doesn't draw anything from the Infinite One. Only by the Jewish people. And this power was given to them. That we said earlier. And now, if you, don't, if you all don't have enough, he says, you want more explanation. And then he has a whole mimer that's a beer on the Tosvis beer. And then he comes, Tosas beer means more explanation. And then he comes, there's a third beer, Lahavan beer, in Yanavas. So at least another four pages over here of explanation on the explanation on the explanation of all of that. But I am done. Everyone, have a good night. A good night.